previously on X-Men. Could the government be plotting against mutants? You wanted to see me, Madam President? Stop all activities involving your privately run mutant registration program. Who is she? Just a random name from the files. A test to see how easy it will be to capture the rest of them. Today, the downtown area was rocked by another outbreak of violence. Ladies and gentlemen, the world tonight is in the grip of a terrible crisis. Since the president recklessly rescinded the Mutant Registration Act, those unfortunate mistakes of nature are running wild. As president, I intend to relocate every mutant in this nation to internment camps. Fighting for human mutant peace has just become more dangerous. Episode 44. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp brat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Jake. And we're the leftovers. All right, welcome to our X Men Days of Future Past review. 
Uh, we have Mr. Frank Hammer joining us today. Frank, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello, hello. Hit the music cue, right? Hello. What time is it, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> is it Frank Hammer you're time. looking for? <laughs> <laughs> Can't touch this. Do you really want me to cue it? Cue yeah. it. Yeah. Cue All it. All right, here we go. It's not fair. Stop. Hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Frank. Thanks. Good to be here again. Glad uh, I did not get tossed. <laughs> Glad to hear be be here again. We've lost so much audio today. <laughs> You've yeah. been here all day. Yeah. So. For hours, baby. For hours. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What brings us together today is we're going to be talking about the uh, Brian Singer X-Men Days of Future Past film. Um, let's just jump into this one. Uh, yeah. X-Men Days of Future Past, it's directed by Brian Singer. Now, um, let's go over a rating system. If this is your first time listening to the show, then we have a unique rating system, which will be explained right now. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the fuck Get it back on your flight and get the fuck... We bring this guy in every week to just give the ratings. What a cockass. <laughs> <laughs> he says it the exact same every week. He's good. He's he, good at what he does. He, you think he'd mix it up a little bit. <laughs> you know? It gets the pinnacle of success. <laughs> a Tupperware party. <laughs> <laughs> Time. <laughs> All right. All right. So thanks, Clive, for showing up for the rating system. Thank you, bud. <laughs> X Men: Days of Future Past is directed by director Brian Singer. Now, according to Brian Singer, he had a two-hour. Listen to this. He had a two-hour discussion with James Cameron, director of the time travel films The Terminator and Terminator Two: Judgment Day, about how to make the time travel concept feasible and workable within the film. Mm. The concepts the two discussed included alternate universes and string theory, uh, which is a field of quantum physics that defines multiple universes. So he did some research for this one, uh, talking with uh, talking with James Cameron. Oh yeah. So I didn't know that. I thought that was pretty yeah, cool. That is interesting. Um, he also, uh, Brian Singer also had a cameo in this film uh, when Mystique jumps out of a, the building onto the ground below after attempting to kill Trask. Singer is one of, the, he's a photographer who's briefly, he's seen holding up a camera in that scene. Okay. Uh, it's written by Simon Kinberg. Uh, according to Simon Kinberg, the film unites all the future mutants. He said, it's this dysfunctional family and these desperate people who are outcasts in their own lives. And they come together, and that's not as emotionally satisfying as an outcast on their own. Hmm. I'm also going to give credit to the writing uh, by uh, Chris Claremont, who wrote the original comic book. Chris Claremont was brought on as a consultant for this film, and he's also in a cameo scene. He's a bystander during a fight scene in the movie. I'm betting it's the Magneto Beast fight Probably that we, we will talk about later. Yeah. Um, also, Len Wein, the creator of Wolverine, he appears as a member of the Vietnamese government 
uh, committee that Trask attempts to sell the Sentinel program to. Cool. So he makes a cameo appearance in this as well. Ween's the artist, right? That drew Wolverine for the first time? Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, I think he did. Uh, didn't he? Didn't he? Do, didn't he start the Savage Wolverine? I think he wrote and uh, and drew that. No, am I wrong? To look yeah, that up. I, I maybe I didn't think Len Wein was the first writer creditor of Wolverine. Yeah. I, I could be wrong too. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know anything. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's produced by Lauren. Sh- <laughs> it's produced by Lauren Schuler Donner. It stars Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Now, including his cameo in X-Men First Class, this will be Hugh Jackman's seventh portrayal of Logan Wolverine, mm-hmm. raising his own record for the most times a comic book character has been played by the same actor in a theatrical film. He will also be the only actor to appear in the entire X-Men film series. Yes. What, how many films has Samuel Jackson been in as Nick Fury now off the top of your head? Do you know that? Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, He's so got to he be number two, though. He had his first appearance in Iron Man. Uh, he had a second appearance in, uh... Was he in Hulk? Yeah. No, that was, uh, General Ross at the end. Okay. Yeah, that's right. He was in Incredible Hulk. The, he was uh, definitely in Captain America. No, he was not in Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk was the end scene. No, that, he was in, in the end of Incredible Hulk. The end of Incredible Hulk was the scene between General Ross and Tony Stark talking in the bar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm totally wrong. Okay. Yeah, you are. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, uh, was he in Thor? I think it's just Coulson at the end. Yeah, I don't, it was I don't Coulson. think he was in it. Uh, we saw him again. Did we see him again in Iron Man 2? Yes. 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 We saw him in Iron Man 3 for sure. Yeah. Yes. Captain no, America. no, no. He was not in Iron Man 3. Wasn't there a scene? No, he was in... Yeah, he was in Iron Man 3. Yes. He was definitely in Iron Man... Th- was he in Iron Man 3? Did Brian's he ever sit down? hardest to forget it. No, there was a scene... I, I, I remember like him sitting down with Iron Man in like a diner. Yeah. Yeah, well, wasn't that, that too? That's Iron Man 2. Yeah. That's Iron Man 2. Because he was having his crisis of faith like every superhero does. Yeah. Hey, movie. you guys remember when we were doing a Days of Future Past podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a jerk. I just, if you knew off the top of your head, I, yeah. I was just thinking. I, <laughs> don't sweat it. He's got to be the number two runner. We get derailed all the time. James McAvoy and Patrick Stewart star as Charles Xavier. <laughs> we got Michael Fassbender and Sir Ian McKellen as Magneto. Jennifer Lawrence as Raven slash Mystique. Halle Berry reprises her role as Storm. Nicholas Holt, uh, he comes back as Hank McCoy, the Beast. Anna Paquin as Rogue. Woo! What a performance. Stellar performance. Right. Stellar yeah. performance. Save that for later. When she turned around and <laughs> smiled, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Paquin was apparently supposed to be in an action sequence in the film where she is rescued from a Sentinel prison. And her removal from the final film leaves a hole in the science behind the future versions of the Sentinels. Now, the film explains their adaptability as a product of Mystique's DNA, which we'll talk about later. But guys, that doesn't really fit the logic of her abilities. And it should have been explained as a result of Rogue's DNA being taken, Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Ellen Page as Kitty Pride. We've got Peter Dinklage as Dr. Bolivar Trask. Um, Brian Singer. Uh, he was a big fan of Game of Thrones, and so that's why he brought him in. But uh, Brian Singer based Bolivar Trask on Adolf Hitler. He said, quote, as Hitler used the Jews as a scapegoat to bond the darker parts of Europe, he's doing the same thing with mutants. But he wasn't a six-foot perfect blonde Aryan. He was a short, funny-looking fellow. 
I don't know how to take that. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. I get it. I mean, it's almost like the juxtapose of what Hitler was, and you have this scrawny, small man that's trying to make this point. Right. You know, like, we've got to defend ourselves. Like, he's utterly on the defensive yeah. throughout the whole I don't know. Game. It's just when he calls him a short, funny-looking fellow. I, yeah, I don't think he's funny looking. I think he looks better than me. Yeah, sure. I don't care. I don't, I don't <laughs> care, man. Fucking Peter Dinklage is a suave motherfucker. Yeah, I don't think the comparison makes any sense either. It's like yeah. Hitler was at the forefront of making speeches about what was going on, and and Trask is kind of behind the scenes. behind the scenes. Agreed. He's not making speeches about taking out the music. He's very subtle and calculated yeah, yeah. in that kind of mastermind kind of way, but he's not right. like the outspoken Hitler. Let's yeah. say, can we say we're going to have spoilers throughout this? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers like a Spoiler motherfucker. Spoil the shit out of this shit. <laughs> According to Peter Dinklage, Brian Singer picked him to play Bolivar Trask because of his height. He said, with my dwarfism, I'm a bit of a mutant. I can't move metal or anything, but I thought of it as a self-loathing. Deep down, Trask is quite sensitive about that aspect of himself. Sean Ashmore returns as uh, Iceman, Omar Sy as Bishop. Not a lot of people know this about our Omar Sy. He is a very revered French actor. Yeah. Mm. I mean, this guy has headlined French films, and he's a big-time actor there. They really don't know what they have with Bishop yet. This guy, I think, could be huge in yeah. another movie. I totally agree. Evan Peters stars as, uh, you know... Quicksilver, of course. Did they ever call him Quicksilver in the movie? <clears throat> no, good so. question. No. No, they did not. Uh, Evan Peters described Quicksilver as someone who talks quick, moves quick. Everything is very slow compared to him. It's like he's always at the ATM waiting for the dude in front of him to finish. Yeah. We've I all know. been there. Evan Peters, is, <laughs> Evan Peters is great on American Horror Story. Absolutely. He's a great actor. Fantastic. Yeah. I don't think they utilized him as much as they could have in that last one. Yeah. I loved, don't get me wrong, I loved Coven. Yeah. I loved Coven, but don't get me wrong, I think they could have used him a little bit better. He might have been busy doing this stuff. True. Yeah. Josh Hellman uh, is Major Bill Stryker, William Stryker, uh, another reoccurring character in the X-Men mythos that we've seen in the films. Daniel Cudmore is Colossus. Um, Bing Bing Fan is Blink. Her name is kind of like a redundant search engine. Pretty fitting. They should have had Bing Bing play Boom Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the movie has a runtime of 2 hours and 11 minutes. It also has a uh, estimated budget of $200 million. We're going to go ahead and rate X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, so who wants to start off with the rating of the film? I'll go. Go for Frank, it. Frank, get in the mic. All right. Get, uh, there you go. Do I, do I get to explain it? No, when we rate things, we just rate them, and we don't explain anything at all. No. Hey, well, you, mine's pretty fucking lengthy is the reason that's why. That's fine. I want you... <laughs> all right. The reason... That's, a, that's why we do... The, I want you just... I want you to just, you know... reason why I wanted to go first, I've actively avoided seeing what other people's reactions were, because as I was watching the movie, I really felt like I'm either a fucking idiot and it's wishful thinking, or I, I really fucking get it. You can stop right there. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> No, right. no, I can't stop. No, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> all right. No, uh, so you've actively avoided like other people. Yeah, I haven't gotten anybody's reactions from it at all on purpose because I'm always trying to read a deeper meaning into things. I'm watching. First, I got to say the first 15, 20 minutes of the film was awesome. 
the battle sequence when the next-gen uh, Sentinels were coming in, and you were getting the idea that they could adapt. And the uh, character Blink, she had that power where she could open portals like in Portal from Valve. And she opened three or four of them, and you actually had to think about you know, which one went in where to see what would happen next. And the Sentinel, Sentinel caught onto that and then attacked the right one to where his spear arm or whatever impaled her. One of the things that I got from this film was that instead of their mutations and powers making them different, because they all have them, it's a part of their lives. They've always had them. For them, it's no big deal. And I think the best depiction of that was when Quicksilver went nuts and they slowed time down. And you could see him running around and fucking with the guys. Uh, he's just running along the wall like total parkour. Somebody spilled a drink. He runs by it and takes his finger and dips it and takes a taste. Are yeah. you going to rate this? Or are you going to basically <laughs> explain the whole movie? Yeah, we do this part later after the rating. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So it, it's it's a absolute 100% total Tupperware for me. I think it completely redeemed itself. It asked questions of itself throughout the movie. Is this going to work? It has to. And then with at the very end, it completely redeemed itself. I had no hopes going in that this was going to be any good. I cried in the fucking theater because one of the first things that I watched as a kid was the Phoenix Saga. And then that got me into the X-Men cartoon. And it, in short, Brian Singer's basically saying, all right, I fucked up. You're right. I'm wrong. So no, it wasn't, it wasn't Brian Singer that did Phoenix Saga. It was Brett Ratner. Yeah. Let's get that right. If you right, count right. that as doing right. Phoenix Saga. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. So, I mean, guess what I'm saying is he's saying it's been done wrong to you. This isn't how you want it. We're listening. We know. So, fuck this shit. And we're going to start fresh from right now. And we're going to give you what you want. Yeah. Very eloquent. Fuck this shit. We're going to give you what you want. <laughs> fuck this shit. That's, That's what I got. That's what I got. Quit no. stealing my lines, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who wants to go next? I'll, I'll go ahead and go. Um, I, uh, you know, from, you know, anyone that's been listening to this show knows damn well <laughs> that I've been against this fucking thing <laughs> from the very beginning. Against, like, I've been adamantly, offensively, like, I don't fucking like this. I don't want it to happen. Right. And uh, I have to say that I utterly enjoyed this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Utterly enjoyed it. Um, so I'm going to give it, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm giving it a Tupperware. <laughs> Tupperware in that shit. Holy shit. Um, I Holy never, fucking shit. never in the months that me and Brian, <laughs> me and Jake, we've been talking about this shit back and forth on and off the show. Like, you guys don't even know the shit we've said about this, <laughs> this movie coming up. You don't even know. Yeah, like behind the scenes. You don't even know. And, and how, like, we're like, I hope he doesn't fuck this up. I hope it's great. Well, it's not necessarily great, but it was enough to where, like, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I think a Tupperware should be great, Jay. Yeah, well, it, it's not that. It's not that. Like, it's not like, uh, it's definitely in my, it, it's definitely made. I'm not saying Citizen Kane level, but I'm saying, like. That's what I'm talking about. As far about. as comic book movies, I think if you're comparing it to other comic book movies, if you give this a Tupperware, it needs to be great. That, that's a good point, and, and I agree with you on that. Like, and that, that's what it is for me. As far as comic book movies go, this is definitely one of my top ten, if not top five. 
superhero movies ever. Like, I fucking loved it. I wanted to hate it. I absolutely did not want <laughs> to like this movie. I love that. I, uh, Brian Singer is, I'm not a fan. Like, I like unusual, uh, usual, usual suspects. Usual specs, suspects. I fucking yeah. love that movie and everything else I have fucking disagreed with. I don't like it. Um, there were definite things that I did not like about this movie that we will bring up. But overall, I think that he pulled it off to a very entertaining X-Men movie that can stand toe to toe with the likes of the Avengers and, and Winter Soldier, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Right on. I'll go next. Um, okay. I, I fucking hate Brian Singer. <laughs> I, I've hated, I hate, I, I toss X-Men 1, I toss X-Men 2 even more. X-Men 3 is my favorite one because it's so fucking retarded. At least I enjoy it for being laughably retarded. I'm not bored. Are by you it. Tupperwareing like, X-Men 3, oh, the last stand? No, no, I'm That toss, wasn't even, that wasn't I'm even tossing singing. all three. Okay, you're tossing all three. I know it's three. Brett Retner too. Okay. Um, First Class was a, was a great movie. I Loved it. Um, Days of Future Past is a horrible adaptation of the comic book series. It's a horrible adaptation of what happened in the cartoon. That being said, I, I it's a terrific screenplay. I Tupperware this movie. This movie is so much fucking fun. I don't care what they decided to do or not do from the comic books. <laughs> I'm it's, shocked. It's, it was, I am shocked. It was Oh, man, it was so great. It, not since Back to the Future have I had so much fun in the time travel movie. I don't think you need to see – one of my favorite things about this movie is that it completely erases the history of the other previous three movies that I just fucking tossed. <laughs> they, don't, they don't even fucking matter anymore. Right. And even fucking you know, Brian Singer knows they don't matter anymore. And this is such a great movie. Oh, my God. So much fun. This might be – my favorite comic book movie of all I'm, time. It's mine too. I'm looking at Jake in like awe right now. I, 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 like, I cannot believe this came out of his mouth. It's I, almost like wa- mouth wide open. I know. Experience. I, I had so much fun. I've only seen this movie once and I'm King wanted, of the Tossets over here. <laughs> I'm going to see this movie at least two more times in the theater before it's gone. It's so much fun. There's so much to see. There's so much going on. There's so much to think about. It, the movie itself is hilarious. It was so funny, and I did not expect how funny it was going to be. And I, I, this movie was so much fun. The wow. true essence of a popcorn comic book movie right here. Yeah. This was fantastic. Blowing my fucking mind, Jake. Blowing my mind. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got three Tupperware, so it all comes down to me, right? What's up, Brian? All right. So, shit, dude. I got a lot of pressure on me right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Tremendous. I need to give my authentic rating, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The real deal. You guys, okay, here we go. I want to hear what you guys are thinking. What am I going to give it? I don't fucking know. Hopefully you ignore the fact that it, it didn't do the comics justice and recognize it for such a great movie. That was kind of the point, though. They had to turn it all on its ear or else they can't reset it. Yeah, but they don't have to call it Days of Future Past, right? Yeah. yeah they don't have to call Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. We obviously know that has nothing to do with what happened in that comic book. But this has nothing but, to do with my rating, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you got to Tupperware this, man. you got to do it. I, I think we've all made That's that point. That's what I think. I think we've all made that point, like, our reasons for for really tough worrying or tossing this are kind of different after seeing this film. Right. Yeah. Right. Something changed right. when we saw this. So I, I'm fucking wondering. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this, I uh-huh. was like, what the fuck does Brian think about <laughs> right. this movie? I think Jake was the biggest wild card, honestly. Jake was definitely a wild card. <laughs> but, but I was more concerned about what yeah, you thought all right. about this movie. 
All right. So uh, about a week ago, week, week or two weeks ago, I tweeted Steve uh, Frosty Weintraub of theclider.com. And uh, he had come out and he had tweeted about how he said this is the best X-Men movie ever. And I asked him, I said, if his comments about amazing, uh, about how this movie is amazing, is it is just as amazing as you said it was, if it's true. And uh, Steve Weintraub, he, he tweeted back. He said yes. <laughs> he could not get into detail about the film itself because it hadn't been released to the public or even internationally for that fact, for that matter. Uh, but he said yes, it's just as good. And so... You know, but before uh, all that, you know, all I did was uh, shit on this movie and the entire time. I shit on every piece of news that came out, except for the viral website that came out about a year ago, the Trask Industry site. That was pretty fucking dope. Yeah. And, uh, but going into this, I, I kept a fresh mind. And uh, within moments, I was hooked on this movie. So I absolutely Tupperware this movie. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. shit. Oh, shit. This is our second Tupperware party. What was our first? Fuck. Pacific Rim. Oh, gotcha. Wow. As far as movies are concerned, we've Tupperware other things. But like as far as movies go, this is our, this is our first Tupperware party. Um, and if Frank would have tossed this movie, you wouldn't have counted anyway. You're not a leftover. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Frank. You're sure, a- yeah, no Frank is a leftover leftover. Right? <laughs> but no, I mean, I absolutely – I'm not saying that to be No, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely Tupperware this movie. 100% from start to finish, I love this movie. There are things I couldn't – I guess there are things I couldn't nitpick about. So, you know, some of the continuity has loose ends. You know, Beast didn't look great, and I, I'm not down with the whole look of Mystique, as well as I, I, I think she needs to look more like the comic uh, with the skull jewelry on the forehead, and, and I'd like to see a skull belt. But on the flip side, I love the way the Beast would move when he fought. Yeah. And Jennifer Lawrence is just fantastic as Mystique. Absolutely. I love the humor in this movie as well as the action. And, and it was well choreographed and not your typical singer action. Um, I think we've all been kind of let down by singer action in, in right. some of these past movies. Can, can I say something real quick about yeah. what you said about Mystique? I think Brian Singer, to give him a little bit of credit for the earlier X-Men movies, was doing something before... Um, the, the God, I'm brain farting. The director of the Christopher Nolan. I think he was ahead of Christopher Nolan in that he was trying to ground these characters in more reality and get away from the spandex and the skull and the this and then that. And yeah. I, I think this is kind of a continuation of that to where he doesn't want to have things be that outlandish. I can agree with that. Yeah, because the black suits in the original X Men film, it wasn't right. like the you know the bright yellow and yeah. blue and. At the X-Men colors that we're more accustomed to. Yeah, see, I think even since X-Men 1, he's tried to not make it over-the-top comic booky as much as possible. Right. Um, I think the, the movie, it was fast-paced, but still easy for the eyes to follow, even in 3D. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anybody else watched this in 3D, but this movie looks beautiful in 3D. This was another thing I loved about it. I paid for a 3D ticket, and it was worth it. Um, part of the reason is Blink's portals in the film, they looked amazing in 3D. Uh, as characters are popping in and out of these portals, uh, it's just eye candy. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the casting in this movie was fantastic too. We can't argue with that. We've never argued with that. The casting is out of this fucking world fantastic right, in right, this movie. Right. Oh my god, they have too many people that are great. But, and they, but they did right by them, by not trying to give each of them screen time to do Bullshit. I mean, if they were on there, like Colossus, he didn't have to say a fucking word. You knew who the fuck he was. I didn't want him to say anything because he right. wasn't Russian. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
And I really quickly, I saw this movie in 3D too, and I, I wasn't a big fan of the 3D in this movie. I'm for sure going to see it in 2D when I see it the next God, couple times. I've seen. I, I'll be honest with you. I've seen it twice now. Yeah, I've seen it twice. I saw it in 3D, and then I watched it in 2D. Um, where did you see it in 3D? Did you watch it in the back, or did you watch? I saw it, it in Carmack, like right in the middle. I saw it in the middle too, and, and I it, thought it was a testament to how much I liked this movie as to how bad the 3D was for me. See, I, I thought I thought the 3D it played well in certain parts. Yeah, uh, I thought that too. Uh, there is a part in the movie where Magneto is flying, where it looked fantastic. When the stadium gets lifted, yeah, I know exactly. It looked good in the in the Quicksilver scene. Yeah. It looked good in the Magneto scene. It yes. looked good in the opening title sequence. Yeah, but it was like the the rest was a post wash, and it looked really <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> See, the th- I mean, I don't think it looked terrible. I just think that there, there were certain scenes that played better to the 3D. Would it be corny in these movies to say like? To have a little icon in the lower right screen to only put your glasses on during the four scenes that actually oh God, that cool. would drive me crazy. But it, the rest of the movie just looks so terrible when it wasn't suited to the three D. I don't think so. I don't think it looked terrible. I don't think it looked terrible. Am I the only one that I, did not? I don't see think it in the 3D? movie looked terrible. I mean, I Tupperware this movie. I think it looked great. But three D wise, you thought that it looked it looked dark and murky because I of loved the three D. I love that. I really want to see it in two D again and see what it it looks like. No, see, the 3D. thing is, it's like it had a feel, like it had a dark and murky feel when they were in the post apocalyptic world. But when they went to the seventies, it had a totally different look. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I don't think played well to the three D. No. But. I think the scenes that did play well with the 3D, like Blink's portals, Magneto flying, uh, I think they did it really well. Was it necessary in 3D? No. But was it necessary in those scenes, like the Quicksilver scene, the slow-mo scene? Yeah. That might have been cool. Beautiful. I mean, the Matrix was never in 3D. The first Matrix... That's true. Yeah. That's true. I, I didn't it still came it, across. I didn't see it in 3D. I only saw it in 2D because this the story was so important. I didn't want anything to distract me from it. Uh, but, I mean, still the visual impact of Magneto lifting the stadium and Blink's portals because there was intelligence behind it. It wasn't just eye candy. Some of it made you have to think. Right. Like there was one part where Magneto kind of pulls a little bit of a Spider-Man move. He uses his ability to control metal to slingshot himself yeah. onto something. I've never seen it used that way before. Yeah, that was awesome. That was cool. Did you think the Quicksilver scene looked good in 2D? It was still exciting. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, I have. I I've, saw it in 2D as well and 3D. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it was great. I mean, it was hilarious. He got the idea. You knew what was going on. It looked better in 3D, though. Yeah. Well, there you go. It might have. I was it's totally it. immersed in 3D. See, I just, I just can't see the 3D, so that's why I avoided it. I knew it would have gave me problems. Um, I love the ensemble cast in this. I, I, guys, I never felt like it, there was too much Wolverine or too much Mystique or, or too much Magneto or Xavier. It felt like a perfect blend. The sets were also beautiful, too. I mean, it was just fantastic. Special effects, they weren't done by uh, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, but mm. they looked very professional. They weren't done by them. They were good. They were still very good. Yeah. Um, I only had a problem, like during, like I said, during the scene where Magneto was flying in the stadium at the end of the film. It looked very CG when I watched it, watched it in 2D, mm. but it looked great when I saw it in 3D. Um, so certain scenes don't translate so well to the 2D format, which is kind of like 
on the flip side because it usually looks better in 2D and the 3D stuff doesn't translate well. Yeah. Um, so guys, I'm going to eat crow on this one and I, I just want to shout out to listener Blaine McLean. If you are still listening to this show, you were right and I was wrong. You were right and I was wrong. You were right and I was wrong. Guys, this movie is clearly a case of fanboys being disgusted with what they've seen in the past. Or, or not even disgusted, maybe just underwhelmed yeah. with what we've seen in the past. You can't blame them. Exactly. No. Uh, me being one of the fanboys, you guys being the fanboys. Fanboys just shitting on this movie because we think Brian Singer is just throwing every character into this film and he's not going to flesh them out or even try to. I didn't like the director at first. I didn't like the trailers. I didn't like the images that were leaked. Yeah. I didn't like the whole thing before I saw this film. But you know the best part about being wrong about an X-Men film that you thought was going to suck? Being wrong about an X-Men film you thought was going to suck. Agreed. Because right. this is now my favorite X-Men movie. Yeah. I was completely wrong about this film. I eat crow on this one. Yeah. So whatever. I went to the premiere on Thursday night at 10 o'clock and I sat down and from start to finish I had a fucking great time. Tupperware the fuck out of this movie. Yeah! I mean they were showing us hand dryer sentinels. How could you not be? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, I still love the picture of uh, they took that picture of uh, was it Brian Singer and he's standing next to the sentinels. Somebody, oh with the vacuum? Somebody took the Dyson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the purple Dyson. Alright guys, we're going to take a little bit break and uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this movie in greater length blow it out the fucking doors hey we're back we're gonna talk about the movie now so uh it looks like x-men days of future past got a uh, tupperware rating from all of us the three leftovers and frank so that's pretty amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. You know, I'm just happy that Frank Tupperware it. Because that would have been kind of fucked up if all three of us gave it a Tupperware rating and then we got this jag off. I'd have just been proven I don't know my shit. Time. <laughs> but you know it's great that you gave it a you gave it a Tupperware, so it's like yeah. everybody's in sync. We all love the movie. Same page. You know Tupperware is supposed to be the pinnacle of success, as our British friend so calls it, and it really is the pinnacle of success. And I don't think that we give out the Tupperware rating lightly. No, and uh, it shouldn't be given out lightly. If there's things that uh, you don't like about a film, uh, but you still enjoyed it, it should get a taste. It. But if you loved everything about the film. Except for a few minor nitpicks, Tupperware is the way to go. And I, I completely agree. This yeah. movie is is a Tupperware in every sense of the word. I, I really loved it. Um, uh, and now, without further ado, it's time for Pop Culture Leftovers review of Brian Singer's X Men: Days of Future Past. Not this time, though, right? Not, not this time. We're gonna, we're gonna let you slide, man. This this time I don't suck. This, All right. This time I don't suck. So here we are. Here we are. Four cynical assholes. We sit down. We're gonna watch X Men: Days of Future Past. Yeah. We're all expecting to toss it. Now the first Easter egg that comes from uh, from this film, it even starts as Fox unveiled a special indent that changed the iconic 20th century Fox reveal into a celebration of the X-Men universe. 
the light fading on the logo, 20th Century Fox logo, it leaves the X alone. Illu- oh, shit. It's oh, illu- I didn't catch that. It's illuminated as the fanfare was replaced fittingly with the familiar tones of the X-Men theme. So you can kind of see like the shadow, you know, from that spotlight. The only thing that's shaded is the X wow. in Fox. So I oh. thought that was pretty fucking cool. Good that is cat. cool. That's sweet. And, you know, Fox is really uppity about that shit, too. Like, they, mm-hmm. they decline a lot of requests from filmmakers to make alterations to their logo all the time. I remember, like, the only thing I can remember, because Paramount does it all the time. Paramount does it all the time, but Fox is very uppity about yeah. maintaining Simpsons, they logo. let uh, Ralph but, sing the... Yes. <laughs> and Futurama, they let him change it to 30th century. Yeah. yeah. But they're, they're, it's very rare that Fox lets anyone do any shit with their logo. Yeah. They're very uppity about that. So the movie, it starts off in New York City, and you see, like, this mutant kid, and he's walking around. Uh, they also, it's, I think it's, uh, Adam Driver's real kid in real life, Jay. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? No, it, <laughs> Jay, it's Mutant a, it's son a, of a, it's a, Han Solo's kiss. <laughs> I, I say this thing with a straight face and <laughs> Jay doesn't even know how to take me. I want to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> they also show mutants that are lined up and they're walking and, uh, they're walking to their death. They, they've got something on the back of their neck and you can tell that they're kind of like under the control of, uh, you know, whatever Trask Industries has turned into into the future. Yeah. Um, you did, did you guys notice the quick shot that they had though of the one mutant that we see later on in the film in the 70s? You get to see Ink. He's got the, the, the one. Yeah. Ink, yeah. the one, the guy, the mutant with the tattoo yeah. over his eyeball. Biohazard the, yeah, kind of thing. The Mike Tyson yeah. fucking tattoo. Like a Phoenix kind of looking thing. Yeah. yeah. That was Ink and he was a member of the Young X-Men. They, they show him and we see him in the 70s sh- uh, shots later on. They then pan over to, uh, what did you guys think about the New York stuff? Did 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 were you sold on the film right then and there? Or it was like ah, oh, we get we got to see a little bit more of this. Yeah, I liked it a lot. <laughs> I I wasn't sold right away. Yeah, no, yeah. not right away. But I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed every bit of that. Did it remind you a little? Like we talked a little bit about James Cameron earlier. Did it yeah. remind you a little bit about the uh, future scenes from the James Cameron Terminator? Totally, film? Yeah. totally, yeah, absolutely. totally. Especially the pacing of it. Yeah. I, right at the beginning of the movie, that's what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is the extinction. Fucking brutal. It was right. brutal. I was yeah. like, I can't believe they're fucking showing this. Yeah. That was my first reaction. Very adult. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. Those dirty, filthy mutants, they deserved every bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We get to, uh, then they pan, they, uh, change, uh, locations. We're in Moscow now. Uh, and then, uh, we get the shot of the, uh, those uh, ships that uh, that are bringing the uh, the uh, Sentinels in. Did anybody else get like a Tron type feel? When Tron. They were... yeah. Did you think yeah. that? Yeah, I felt that a bit. And and also like fucking gravestones. Like they looked like tombstones when they were flying through the air. They looked like I didn't even think that. Totally, but now I see it. Yeah. I am the reign of death. You know, kind right. of feel to it. Yeah. Right. Um, I thought they actually look like uh, like a uh, like a PC. Like a tower. <laughs> like, oh shit, here comes Adele. <laughs> <laughs> Reboot. <laughs> Actually, if it was Adele, it would have stopped working. Yeah. <laughs> just crashed. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> That's why Dell doesn't make helicarriers. <laughs> well, no. Actually, Dell would, would make helicarriers. Um, so, uh, there's a, uh, we get to see a really cool fight in Moscow. I like, we see Iceman. We get a bearded Iceman. Fuck yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Fucking A, a yeah. bearded Iceman. Badass. Um, so the fight scenes, the first fight scenes with the, uh, the future mutants. What did you guys, what did you guys take from those fight scenes? What were some of the things that you really liked in those fight scenes? I'm going to start real quick. Okay. I did want to say that I love Blink. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love Blink. Uh, there's a, there's a scene in there where Blink is, you know, doing the portholes and all that shit. And one of the, one of the, uh, Sentinels puts his arm through the porthole. The porthole closes on his arm. He loses his fucking arm in the porthole. Falls off. Loved it. Yeah. I thought that was very cool. And the portholes, again, I'm going to say they looked gorgeous in 3D. Like they were just hovering there. It was, yeah. it was absolutely amazing. I agree. I, and Blink has always been like kind of the comic book equivalent of a cult classic movie. She's kind of a cult classic character. Like uh, the fans have just loved Blink since Age of Apocalypse and they really haven't even done much with her. Right, it, just to see this fully realized, like her power and how great it came off, was amazing. Right, yeah. like it, it's definitely gonna people are gonna love Blink even more than they already did. I think at this point. Oh yeah, could have detracted from these scenes, but it yeah. actually enhanced everything. It, yeah, it'd have been easy enough for them just to say, "Oh, she's gonna pop a, a a portal here and then pop out there," but for them to make you think about how in the fuck is this working. I mean, they put a lot of thought into the effect. It wasn't just eye candy. It was awesome. Well, no. and then to watch it in 3D and actually look into the porthole and see the depth and see the action that's going on in the other side of the porthole and actually kind of see like these sentinels try to react to going into the portholes and, <laughs> yeah. and watch them like they're moving through the porthole and then they're like, what the fuck? They turn around. You know, it's just amazing. And it takes them a while to adapt to these mutants, but they're always processing. They're always learning and they're always trying to, uh, find a way to just kill these mutants and i got a bit like again i'm bringing up terminator i got a very terminator feel from these sentinels like that is their mission to kill the mutants just like the terminator was out there to kill fucking you know sarah connor yeah i agree very very t2 liquid armor kind of terminator but yeah that kind of shit and like you said frank like i was thinking the whole time like not just like how awesome this looked on screen but i was also thinking like how is she how is she doing this to, you know, make it so that she's not getting killed or anybody else is right. getting killed? I mean, that's her power. That's what she's got to play with and mess with. Of course, she's going to be a master of it. It's she, fucking awesome. She was the most impressive new mutant that I saw, and she's not the only cool new mutant that I saw, but yeah. she was the most impressive. Yeah. You know, I think Frank hit the nail on the head. The action was just so smart. I mean, one of the reasons I want to see this movie a couple more times, it was almost too much to take in at one time. Yeah, I noticed a lot more on the second viewing that I missed on the first viewing. Um, did you guys notice that uh, I almost got the feeling that they were, you know, okay, they were using powers. They could uh, touch you. And absorb your powers because they're, you know, uh, spoiler, they're using Mystique's, you know, her powers to like, uh, chameleon, like Morph. replicate, right. you know, the powers of the mutants. Did you guys get the feeling like they had killed other mutants before? Because when they stab certain characters, it, it kind of like, uh, had that long blade. Yeah. It made me feel yeah. like maybe they had encountered like Lady Deathstrike yeah. at and- one point in time. And, a lot of people will say that, like, when the guy turned into, like, steel, it was because of Colossus. But I could have sworn that I saw, like, a different type of armor surround one. And it was almost like one of them had actually killed, like, uh, 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 what's her name? Emma Frost? Yeah. Right, yeah. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. But I, I know she died in, in the in the other X-Men film. It was totally blatant. That scene yeah. was totally blatant, so I don't think you're far off okay. See, that's super interesting, Brian, that you would say that. I never really caught on to that they only had the powers of the proposed mutants they encountered or right. whatever. I just assumed that they had been able to manipulate the mutant gene 
to where these Sentinels could do just whatever powers they pleased or were programmed with. I kept thinking that's, that that's interesting. I kept thinking that this harkens all the way back to when they put out that piece of shit uh, Wolverine movie with Deadpool, yeah, where they were taking abilities. I thought I swore I saw one of them with Cyclops' ability, where he blasted a mutant with his with eye beams. Well, if a po- if in that timeline, then that Scott Summers was killed by the Phoenix bullshit. Uh, <laughs> then he wouldn't have encountered Sentinels for them to take his power. How'd they get it? Well, when they experimented back on him, when they were they were dicking around with Deadpool. Yeah, that's they would good, have had they would have point. his DNA yeah. on hand. That's interesting. Um, what did you guys think about? Uh, they showed Bishop. We saw him absorbing energy, which he does in the comic books. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool nod, kind yeah. of a wink, and everything. I thought that was cool. Uh, sunspot. Yeah, I think he looked badass. Uh, when he when he flamed on, it was very it was way cooler than when fucking Human Torch did in Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. Like he did it. Like he had his arms out to his side. He was flexed. Boom! He would flame on, and right. he just looked like he was full of rage. Like he's gonna go. He's like he's he's all business. He's gonna fucking light your ass up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was one of those like spine tingling moments. Like Sunspot's been always one of those cool characters. That's you know kind of a B-less character, but to see him in like full action like that and just be like, bring it fucking on! I know I'm gonna die. I know he knew yeah. all those guys. That's a, that's you know spoiler alert also, but. Iceman, when he looks back at Kitty Pride, like that scene, like, I know I'm gonna fucking die. That was cool. I'm gonna fucking defend your ass. Right. right. Shit. They look yeah. at each other and it's almost like he's looking at her like, hey, we've been here before, let's yeah. do it again. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Brilliant. Brilliant move on Singer's good. part. You yeah. like that, Jake? Yeah, I love that part. <laughs> <laughs> the whole beginning, the whole first 20 minutes, I mean, no part of the movie, I, I didn't think it even petered off. It wasn't like X-Men 2. Yeah. Where it gave you an amazing 20 minutes, and then you were just like, eh, I'm bored to Yeah, talk. the it's Nightcrawler right. was, like, amazing, and then the rest yeah. of the movie. Well, yeah. it was Nightcrawler followed by Wolverine killing people cinematically for the first yeah. time. All was in the first 20 minutes, and then just a big bore fest. It, yeah. I also loved it, like, uh, Warpath. We didn't get to see a lot of Warpath, but Warpath Fuck. was awesome. Like, and, and he explained, like, Warpath is the one that spots him when they first arrive. Yeah. And Warpath, I mean, dude just fucking... Didn't hold back. I mean, that first scene where we see him fighting a sentinel, he just jumps on the sentinel's fucking shoulders, stabs him in the neck. But what did we see after that? I was not expecting this. He stabs the sentinel in the neck. What does the sentinel do? He does a black widow flip. Yeah. When he fl- he flips. Yeah. So agile. And he does this flip, and Warpath goes flying off of him. It was just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, I mean, I had no complaints about these not being the Sentinels that I had seen in the comic books at this point. Right. At this point, it was just so much fun. Who gave a fuck? How so quick. Right. So yeah. quick. You thought, yeah. like, later on you'd be like, okay, I'm going to decide on this Sentinel thing. I'm going to finally lay down my verdict on it. Yeah. But when they did that, the adaptable Sentinels, I was totally, like, into it. You're like, yeah. And the fight scenes. Like, like the fight scenes with Warpath, like what do you do against a mutant that doesn't really have powers besides being an excellent fucking fighter, right? You know, and, and stuff like that. You know, you're dealing with Iceman and whatnot. And you adapt their powers, but what do you do against Warpath? Right. Yeah. Warpath blew my fucking mind. Yeah. And I wanted to hate that fucking guy. Right. I wanted to hate it. Yeah. I was like, he's gonna fuck Warpath up. He doesn't understand him. <laughs> 
totally totally blew my mind. Yeah, I agree with Jay. The, the The Sentinels were threatening and scary, and immediately, absolutely, they were pressing. And just like you right. said, the Terminator reference, yes. like this thing will not stop until you are dead. Right. It's like absolutely. It's like playing a video game on the advanced level. Right. Yeah. yeah. I felt I felt claustrophobic watching these scenes. Yeah. Right. With the X Men that were trying to get away, like I felt claustrophobic myself in my seat. You yeah. know. It was really intense because you knew that there was no escape. They were going to die. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, at this point, we, we, we learned like the fight, the battle is pretty much just like a, a distraction. It's a time saver. They've done this before. Kitty Pride, uh, she basically is using Bishop, which was cool. I thought, you know, Kitty Pride. Use Bishop to send him back in the past. We know Bishop is a time traveler. Yes. So I thought that was cool. Um, And then basically he's sent back and we get a scene of Professor X, Storm, Wolverine. They're all – they all arrive and uh, I thought it was cool. Right out of the gate, Wolverine walks out and he's smoking a cigar. (laughs) Smoking a cigar. I'm like that's a fist pump because he doesn't do it in the comics anymore. We were worried about him not doing it in the movies anymore because of this whole you know anti-smoking shit. But he comes out and he's smoking a cigar and I was just like that was a thumbs up moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. He lights up. He doesn't even smoke it. He just fucking lights it up. I'm here. I'm Wolverine. (laughs) Fucking love that. (laughs) So you know Professor Xavier, he kind of hovers off of it and off the off the uh, ship, and and Kitty Pride explains that you know she's been sending Bishop back into the past like two to three days, and he warns everybody. Uh, Kitty explains that when she sends him back in time, it rips at their brain, so she's able to send Bishop back a few days. But even a brain, she explains, even a brain as powerful as Xavier's would be destroyed if she tried to send him back to. 40 years past where Bolivar Trask first develops the Sentinels. Wolverine, it then he's the one that formulates that, hey, what if you had somebody that could heal their brain just as fast as it's being ripped apart? So then he's going to be the time traveler. Kitty Pride is all about sending him back into the past. Now, in the Days of Future Past comic, it was Kitty Pride who went back in time, yes. Shadowcat. Right. Now, according to writer Simon Kinberg, Kitty was intended to be the time traveler for this film, but it didn't work out. He says, Kitty in the era of young Magneto and Xavier would have been a negative 20 years old. <laughs> oh, shit. True. The, the reflex response to that was a character who doesn't age. Wolverine is the only character who would look the same in 1973 as he does in the future. Thus, Wolverine was picked for being an ageless immortal character who would bridge back, uh, past and future. Yeah, and he's the most fleshed out character of the bunch. Fair enough. He's the one that we want to be the proxy. He's the draw, not that, Alan Page. Yeah, exactly. We want to see everything through his eyes because right. we know him better than any of these characters. So that's what they end up doing. They end up sending Wolverine back into the past. Um, she basically tells him to, you know, keep calm and breathe. Think peaceful thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we get a scene. Wolverine, he wakes up. He's naked. And he's in his old apartment. And uh, he has his uh, – we find out that he has his boss's daughter yeah. in bed with him. He had just you know, basically banged her the night before. <laughs> um, now I hear from uh, – I listened to an interview with Hugh Jackman and he said, if you look around this room, there are tons of cool Easter eggs for fans. In, in his apartment. Okay. And a lot of them have to do with the Wolverine movie that came out. So a lot of Japanese stuff. Oh. I'm thinking 
maybe. Do you think that there's the suit in there somewhere? No. Oh. Maybe. Shit. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I didn't. I didn't catch any of that. Yeah, I didn't catch either. any of that. Sure. Well, you didn't catch any of it because you were too busy looking at his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that—that that was like a big thing. <laughs> that was a big thing. Like everybody, all the females in the crowd was like, "Ooh." Right. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's like Chris Hemsworth when he shows off his guns. The same thing when. When Wolverine I think I ass. think we got equally rewarded as males in this film as the females got rewarded. What I got from that when he showed off his ass, I got another ter- a Terminator time traveling moment. Exactly. Yeah. When when the Terminator gets back, we we get yeah, we always get a shot of like you know Arnold's naked ass or the T two's naked ass. Uh, so then we look at the uh, Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> what you, you think James Cameron? That's one of the things he told him. Make sure you show some abs <laughs> as, soon as, as, as soon as you go back into time. Well, if rumors are true, Brian Singer said that. <laughs> oh shit! And I just said it. Wow. <laughs> um. So fuck. Should I delete that? No. No. <laughs> no. Fuck, guys. I have no fucking filter. Anyway, it's the best thing. God damn it. All right. Anyway, so he uh, Wolverine looks out the window, and you see, I love this. Like right off the bat, they're like making you feel like it's the seventies. You see that s- classic smoking billboard. The guy smoking. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, like you know he knows he's back in the seventies because there's a ban on cigarette advertising. Yeah. yeah. You know on TV and on billboards and stuff like that. So you instantly know you're back in the seventies. And I think Wolverine actually himself is just like, oh, cool, I'm yeah. back in the seventies. I think he liked the seventies. Oh yeah. I think- <laughs> Yeah, he was excited. <laughs> so then uh the three thugs come to the door and uh they're wanting to they're basically saying you're sleeping with the boss's daughter, we gotta kick your ass. Yeah, it's almost like a mafia kind of good fellow yeah. godfather. Did, did the yeah. did the, the main guy that was doing the talking, did he did he or did he not look like a chubby Joaquin Phoenix? Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. He did. Watch the movie again. He totally does. <laughs> yeah. All right, now um they start shooting at him. <gasps> And I found out another Easter egg. The bullet wounds that appear on Wolverine's chest on his arrival, it's in the bullet wounds, they form the Big Dipper. Uh huh. And this is an homage to, uh, Hakutu no Ken. It's better known as the cartoon series Fist of the North Star. Oh mm. shit. How cool. The protagonist Kenshiro has the same scar pattern on his chest. That's fucking awesome. I pretty cool. love Fist of the North Star. Yeah. Right? <laughs> awesome. Do you remember the video game? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's one of my faves, man. I had that on the fucking, uh, the the Game Boy. I had that on Game Boy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um so Wolverine he uh he gets pretty violent. I mean he's stabbing him and, and oh, yeah. killing him and he's got the bone claws because he's back in seventy three. This is before the Weapon X project happened. Yeah. So he's got the bone claws. So when he's sent back to the past, it's not like he's sent back with his adamantium. Right. Great reaction shot from uh, Hugh Jackman too. It seems like even he wasn't re- quite ready for the bone claws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Wolverine, uh, he, uh, takes the, uh, car keys and he's off to, uh, from, from that guy, he walks out and it's 1970s and he's looking around and, you know, you've got, uh, you got the bell bottoms, you got the 70s, uh, the, the, the big, you know, collars, uh, I mean, people are just, they're d- dressed like it. It's the 1970s. You get a very cool 1970s feel and Brian Singer really pulled off that 70s look. Definitely. I, I bought it instantly. Yeah. Like, J- just even from like, it, it kind of felt like it switched to like, uh, film. The film, yeah. Rather than yeah. digital. Like, yeah. when he looked out the window, immediately it was like that kind of grainy kind of feel. Yeah, you know? like I was watching the Rockford Files or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. 
But that, in a weird way, like, that's kind of one of the Wolverines that you know. You yeah. know, like, it wasn't a weird thing. It's like, yeah, you know, it makes sense that he's in that time period. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Wolverine, he uses the keys, he gets in that car, and he's off to meet Charles Xavier and show up at the, uh, the school. Uh, when we get to the school, the school looks run down. It's in shambles. Uh, you know, clearly they haven't hired like a gardener or maintenance man. It looks like shit. And, uh, Wolverine has showed up. He's there to explain to the young Xavier about the future and, and that he needs him. Yeah. And so, um, he's, he's greeted by Beast, uh, Hank McCoy, who is not, He's not blue fur. I mean, it's not no. blue fur McCoy. It's, right. it's, it's, it's just Hank McCoy looking like a human. Yeah. What did you guys, did you guys, is there anything that you guys like? I'm mean, okay. We Tupperware the movie. So tell me, just right, tell right. me what you loved about the scene. <laughs> go, go ahead, guys. Oh, uh, you know, it was a great scene. I, you know, Wolverine and Hank McCoy have always had great interplay with each other. Yes. And it was super fun because Hank McCoy was kind of unaware of how great the interplay between the two characters was. <laughs> right. right. And Wolverine was just ready to jump right into it regardless of what Hank McCoy knew or didn't. Right. So, right. He, he pushed himself right in and yeah. said, hey, you know, we're great friends in the future. Yeah. Pretty strong for a scrawny kid. <laughs> And, yeah. yeah, and he's like, oh, come on, where's the beast, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Ends up punching him in the face, and the look on Nicholas Holt's face when he gets punched, even though I'd seen it in the trailers, it still played off really well in the theater. It was just really funny, you know, and I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, he starts to make his way towards you know, walking through the house a little bit more, and that's where Hank McCoy beasts out, <laughs> turns right. into the beast. And I love – I didn't really care for the way he looked, but I love the way he moved and the way he fought. Yeah. It was right. absolutely fantastic. You could tell Wolverine approved when this happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what, that's what I was going to bring up is like that's, that's a great part about their relationship is that Wolverine already knows that he's the fucking beast. And right. he's like, come on, man. Right. Come on. Yeah. yeah. He's you're, like, you're the beast. Come on, buddy. <laughs> he's basically like us when we podcast, always jumping ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's just ready to just jump ahead. You're the, you're the beast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that was so satisfying is like Wolverine could have fucking impaled him at any moment. But the cool part about that was is that their battles have always been like that where it's been kind of a stalemate. You know, like Beast takes him out and he's just kind of standing down. Right. That's always been the kind of the relationship between the two is like Wolverine's always been nurturing a beast, but always giving him shit. Always giving the guy shit. I loved it. I just thought that the whole scene was cool. You know, Wolverine gets thrown across the room yeah. and then it goes down to like they're on the Wolverine gets he's on top of the table and then Beast is like hanging from the chandelier looking down on him roaring. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean I, I just thought that was very cool. Once that happens, then Xavier walks out and it's like, Who is this? What's going on? Uh that's when we get the speech where Wolverine's like, Hey, I'm here, you sent me from right. the future, we need you, the future's fucked up. I need you. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I know you don't have your powers now. He's like, uh, how do you know that? Uh, are you with the CIA? Have you been watching me? And he's like, no, you told me in the future that you don't have your powers at this time. Right. And so it gets his attention. And basically it comes down to a deal where it's like um, he explains how Mystique in the future kills Bolivar Trask. And uh, it sets off this whole series of events like the butterfly effect and like the whole future is affected by that one event of Mystique killing Bolivar Trask. That's where the government doesn't trust mutants and they roll out the Sentinel program. Right, right. So now he needs Charles Xavier to help him and Xavier is not – 
he's not feeling it, man. He no. says basically, oh, I remember you. Yeah. We, <laughs> we needed your help at one time. And what did you say to us? <laughs> I'm going to say what you told us. Fuck off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Walks away. And basically from then on, it's like I'll, uh, he thinks to himself, you know, I'm going to do this because I'm because of the love I have for Raven. Right. Mystique. Yeah. Right. And they established that so well in first class. Yeah. Like you totally. really got that from first totally. class, you know. Yeah. I guess that's one thing about this movie. As great as it was, you definitely need to see at least first class before going into it. Right. Oh, definitely. I think to pick up on the character relationships between um Xavier and Magneto, Xavier and Raven. Yeah. They even flash back to that same childhood scene that mm. we saw in the first X-Men first class film. Yeah. Right. Just in case. I Just right. in was, case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, uh, let's get to something that maybe we didn't like, and then we might be split on this one. Are you guys buying that this serum that Hank McCoy, Hank McCoy made a serum, the serum, when he injects it into himself, it basically keeps him from being a, uh, it, it inhibits the mutant gene, and he looks human. He doesn't look like he's the beast. Now, when it is injected into Charles Xavier, apparently it uh, repairs his spine. Yeah. And he's able to walk, but he's not able to use his uh, mental abilities. Do you think that that was just more to propel the story, or do you think that the science behind that actually makes sense? <laughs> I mean, it's a serum that prepare, that heals his spine, guys. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm split on that. Like, it doesn't make much sense. If but you gave it to a regular human, would it fix their spine? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it doesn't make much no. sense, but it never really hung me up. I think they made a great euphemism for something like heroin abuse. He needed it. He had to have it. Yeah, I agree with that. He was sitting there at one point trying to make a decision of if he needed to do the right thing or go ahead and take what he needed to keep his pain away. And he got as close as putting the needle into his vein and then took it out. Yeah, if anybody knows anything about hair and abuse, it's you, Frank. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm so fucking thin. <laughs> Heroin time. And I, and I think one thing that was very fascinating about it was it wasn't that he had to use it so he could walk again. That was almost just a side effect. Right. It. He had to use it to shut out the thoughts. Right. Like that. The walking oh, yeah. was just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a really good theme that they kept going back to that these powers that they have are something that they have to deal with every day. It, for them, it's not special. It's who they are. Yeah, I agree. McAvoy sold the shit out of needing that stuff, too. He, yeah. Was, yeah. he was great. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, like, as a side note, I think that's a really cool kind of story is the Beast and Professor X's relationship, always. Like, those two are fucking close as hell. And to have the Beast be like, I have this serum that can, you know, revert me back to human, but I'm not going to use it all the time. Right. That was pretty cool to see that as well as, like, the Beast is kind of the level-headed yeah, let's look person at the, in the situation. Let's right? look at the school. Everybody left. Yeah. It's yeah. just, beast and, just it's beast. beast and Xavier. Beast is the one. And the only reason that Beast is there because of his love for Charles. Yeah. And yeah. he's the one that's just like, I'm not going to use this shit all the time like you do. Right. That's pretty cool. I loved how much time that the Beast got in this movie. I was He was so great in first class. I was really worried that with so much going on in this movie, he would get a little bit short-sold. With warm bodies coming out, Nicholas Holt is you know a bigger actor. You know, Of course, Jack the Giant Slayer didn't do too well. That was another Brian Singer movie, yeah. which was another you know concern of ours. But, 
I mean, you know, Nicholas Holt's kind of a bigger name now. Everybody's a bigger name. That's since. why I was worried. There's sure. so many big names in this yeah. movie. It's like you when know. First Class came out, Jennifer Lawrence wasn't the draw that she is now. No, Same right. with Nicholas Holt and, and a lot of these actors, even Fastbender and McAvoy. Yeah. I mean, Fastbender's done 12 Years a Slave. You know, McAve- McAvoy, I mean, he's a big name now, too. None yeah. of these people had to do this movie. They no. they were under contract, Jay. So they had. To, uh, <laughs> well, maybe they did. They, 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 they did. They were all under contract. But they didn't have to take it seriously, Jay. And they right? did. I mean, yeah. other actors, you know, like Sean Connery or other kind of movies, have proven that they'll phone shit in. Like if you know, yeah. And and, and that's under that's the thing. Like I felt like his beast was like that dude really fucking cared about what the beast was about. And it's it's like we watched the movies and we're like, I don't really care about. What their portrayal of the beast is? No, in he, I'm game. not arguing with you at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, he, they didn't phone it in, and like we even got to see like him being the inventor and things like that later on down in the movie. And oh yeah, you know, you know, Hank Hank McCoy is uh, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant you know character in the Marvel universe. I mean, he's one of the characters that the other people look to when they need something. Yeah, I'll probably catch some shit for saying it, but I really think that uh, Jennifer Lawrence's uh, performance in this was far more believable than. Uh, what it was in uh, Catching Fire. I thought she did a better job of emoting than what she did in that film. Uh, different podcast, but I totally disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen that film yet, so I can't comment. Yeah, I, I just can't compare Katniss with Mystique. No, and it's, it's, it's apples and oranges. I mean, you get a 10-minute performance in one movie, yeah. and you get a starring role in another. Right. I think there it goes again to what uh, Jake and I were talking about earlier, about people who read the books versus just watching the movies, too. Yeah. I've read the Hunger Games books. Have you? <laughs> and you thought she did? Well, and, I've read all, and I've read a shit ton of X-Men comics. I'll, I'll take the X-Men trivia challenge with you. <laughs> you'll win. You'll win. <laughs> I, I, I just think it was like, you know, if we're going to talk about Mystique a little bit, I think it was cool that she was kind of the vehicle for the story. I didn't think like they were going to use her to that extent. Right. That was another surprising thing. A lot of things were surprising about this, but that was one of them. Yeah, they made Mystique a MacGuffin. That was super smart. For sure. For sure. You know, just the driving force between these leaders was Mystique. The driving force between the story was Mystique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way they pulled everybody into this to be kind of like a focal point was actually kind of brilliant. Uh, yeah. The next one is like Magneto. So Wolverine explains that, you know, if we're going to if we're gonna do this, if we're going to stop the way things go in the future, we need Magneto. Charles Xavier kind of laughs at him like, you do know where Magneto is. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, well, you both explained it to me. And he's, he's like, uh, kind of like, Xavier is kind of like taken aback because like, you know, as far as he knows him and, uh, you know, Magneto are not on close terms at all after <laughs> yeah. the way that first class ended. Right. And he, and basically he finds out that both him, himself and Magneto were the ones that sent Wolverine back. And so, yeah, he, he, you know, he finds out, you know, Magneto is in an underground prison at the Pentagon. It's a hundred floors down. It's completely concrete. No metal and it's heavily guarded. Hmm. Um, Wolverine says that he knows a guy that can help get Magneto out of this prison. Uh, he knows the guy, but he's a bit younger now. So this is where we are introduced to Evan Peters as Quicksilver. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about this because <laughs> I absolutely – I don't know. I absolutely Tupperware this on the highest level. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the yeah. introduction of Quicksilver. Um, they pull up to the house and, of course, we all see the mailbox. Yeah. And it says Maximoff, <laughs> which was cool. It was cool. Um, 
we then see the welcome mat, and the welcome mat says WE on one side, and then uh, ME on the other side. Like the whole middle of it is just completely warped Tried and faded. It out, yeah, yeah, totally. It's like somebody did a burnout. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> um, they, the mother's like, "Oh my gosh, what did he do this time?" And like she expects, like this is the police or the FBI, whatever. What what has he gotten himself into? <laughs> so they go downstairs and they see him, and we first see Quicksilver, and he's playing ping pong against himself. Yeah. Just zipping from side to side. Boom. You hear the ping, 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 yeah. ping. It's great. And then they, he, he's basically, does he say something like, uh, you guys aren't police. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, uh, how do you know we're not police or whatever? He's like, I already went through your rental agreement. Yeah. He can yeah. see their wallets and stuff. Yeah. He went through their fucking wallets already. Yeah. For the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zipped up there and was taking them out. Yeah. And they t- they explain that basically they need him to break into the Pentagon and like he's no stranger to stealing things. They pan over and they show like all these ding dongs and ho hos and <laughs> and Twinkies that he's stolen and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, I loved this scene, guys. I it loved it. Great. I absolutely loved it. I thought the humor Evan Peters gave in this performance was just absolutely fantastic. Him playing Pong was funny. Yeah. yeah. How how shocking is it that they killed it so much on this after that Carl's Jr. commercial? <laughs> like this is just another thing. It's just like eat crow, eat crow. This Quicksilver was amazing, right? I'm eating crow. On this I, I'm just, I'm eating crow too. That was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. That Carl's Jr. Commercial. Are you asking yourself like how in the fuck is Aaron Taylor Johnson gonna hold up to this Quicksilver? I'm yeah. saying that he's not going to after seeing this. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue that. The yeah. dude, the dude wasn't even trying like to play that role, and he nailed it. Yeah, he I, nailed it. You're like that's fucking Quicksilver. The cockiness. Oh. Everything about him was just total Quicksilver, even from like a young age that we saw him in this in this film. Right. You know, we're gonna see him kind of older, I think, in Avengers too. But you're like, yeah, he fucking nailed what Quicksilver is: cocky, quick, quick of the tongue, quick of everything. Yeah. So it's like you can't contend with. Yeah, this he guy. was even talking fast. Yeah, you I can't. Yeah. You try and talk to this guy; he's the fastest thing alive. Like they were like, <laughs> is he a teleporter? No, yeah. he's just that fucking fast. Yeah. Yeah, Evan Peters, he definitely owned this role. Loved him. Loved him. Fucking loved him. I've loved him since the day I saw him. Did you think he emoted enough, Frank? Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. I'm going to write him some letters. No, what, what did you, did you, did you, did you enjoy the Quicksilver? Like our first Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah. my, my favorite part, I mean, they played it up and we're going to be going over it, but I got to mention it is, uh, when they actually do go to break into the Pentagon. Oh, we're, well, yeah, we're going to talk about All that. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to hold that back then because, oh my God. <laughs> so, um, Brian Singer, he filmed Quicksilver scenes in a special format of 3,600 frames per second. Nice. This means that Quicksilver will be moving 150 times faster than anyone else on the screen. Yeah, he nailed it. It's hard to imagine. At this point, good. it's hard to imagine um, Justice League making the Flash's powers look cooler than this. I yeah. know. So good. I, I think that was like the biggest thing was that we – I think we've all come into this realization like, you know, we've seen this before. And like with him, I don't know what to expect from Avengers 2. But with like this, I kind of thought that it was going to go down a certain way. And it was going to go down in a kind of a corny way where they paid homage to it, but they didn't really right. give credit to the character, mm-hmm. like who he was. We always heard it was just going to be a quick cameo. Yeah, yeah. A quick cameo. And it, it, and it kind of was, but at the same time, like we've been talking about. Yeah, but they made the best use of their time. They nailed the essence of him when they first met him from the right. moment he comes on screen 
that's Quicksilver, and he totally nails it that whole time. It's not even about that. Fuck yeah, the jailbreak right. screen. When the jailbreak screen takes place, you see his true power, and you're like, yeah, God, that was I'm, wicked too. I'm totally impressed with this fucking. But just even his introduction, I mean, I'm I'm laughing, yeah. I'm loving it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, and they know we love him too. I mean, they've already announced he'll be back for Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, uh, they asked Simon him. Kimberg, are like, can we see? Are we going to get to see Evan more Evan Peters as? As Quicksilver, and he said, "Absolutely, yeah, yeah. they absolutely for sure." <laughs> Shit, uh, he's the Hulk of this, you, you know, much like the Hulk was in the Avengers absolutely. Movie, I think Quicksilver was in this movie. He's, uh, he's the right. character people yes. walked out. If, if you didn't about. like, for some reason, if you're watching X Men: Days of Future Past and nothing else connected with you, you can at least leave this movie and say, "Oh, oh my God, I loved Quicksilver." Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, did they never did call him Quicksilver though? No. no, I don't think they did. No, 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 never did. So they try to explain to Quicksilver that, you know, didn't he at one point say, like, he didn't even acknowledge that he was a mutant or different than anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. He's, to him, he was just fast. Yeah. And so, like, they're explaining that they need him to break into the Pentagon. He kind of grins and loves it. And they're explaining, like, hey, we're like you. And he's like, you know, like, what? What are you talking about? Wolverine then unsheathes his claws. And I love this line. He looks at him. He goes, like, that's cool, but disgusting. <laughs> and I thought that was just—I thought that was so funny. Was you know, great. I love—I love his timing. He's got good comedic timing. Yeah, he did everything perfectly in that scene. Yeah, Quicksilver's snarky in the comics, and they really got that across. He's just really snarky and self-absorbed. So let's talk about the break scene. I just kind of like, uh, you know, just—I—I I just want to talk about the whole break-in scene and yeah. what we saw and what we liked. You know, so they're—they're they're going to the Pentagon. We got Beast, Hank McCoy. We got Wolverine and uh, Quicksilver, yeah, Professor and, 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 yep. and Xavier, and yep. they're all doing this. Hank McCoy's got like this uh, kind of like a uh, device that with an antenna that jams the signal, and I thought that was funny. We get to hear the Sanford and Son music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> the security guards like right. Yeah. The security guards laughing at it. <laughs> 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 oh, man, um, and so I, I enjoyed that, and then. Uh, at that point, like Quicksilver is, uh, he goes into the elevator and the security guard, he takes him out. And like, next time you see him, you see the elevator doors open up. There's Quicksilver. He's dressed like the security guard. He's got his clothes on. And you're thinking, where the fuck is the security guard? <laughs> and then they show a scene from the back of the elevator and he's taped up with duct tape. <laughs> To the wall, like Spider-Man just webbed this right. guy on the wall. Yeah. And you know he did it so fast and so quick. What I love about this is it's not only duct tape, but it's silver duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it was like when that first happened, when his hat flew off, I thought that was Magneto maybe doing something from down below. Right. And then he's just standing there in the corner just kind of looking at him. Yeah. Like, I've been here the whole time, man. <laughs> and, and later on, like, as they're all talking in the inter- the elevator later on, the interplay between the looks between him and the guard. As yeah. the guard's, like, all duct taped up. That's yeah. funny. We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, – Okay, so he's gonna break, he's gonna break Magneto out of the prison, and he slides in the food and it says, mine the glass. Yeah. And he starts doing the tapping, and he starts doing the rapidly tapping on the glass above Magneto, to the point where the glass just shatters. Yeah. Magneto jumps out, and then he explains, like, you know, he's like, I can control metal. And that's when he says, 
you can control metal. My mom knew somebody that could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at that point in time, you know, us comic book fanboys were putting, you know, two and two together. We know that Magneto is the father in the comics of Quicksilver. Were you, yes. were you guys as worried about it as I was when, like, he, they introduced him and you were like, is he not Magneto's son? Yeah. I was just yeah. like, is he not? Because if one studio can do it, it's Fox. It's, yeah. Marvel can't do it. They can't even introduce mutants or, or Magneto. Right. So if one student, if one studio is going to do it, it's going to be Fox. They had to do it, and they, yeah. they did it. That was the one moment though where I was like, "God damn it, Brian Singer, don't fuck that up!" And then they were like, "Oh, my mom knew somebody that right. could do that." I was like, "Okay, right, that's cool." I think it was. Really cool. <laughs> I think it was another intelligent use of their powers to see him break the glass in that way. Because if you think about it, the vibrations. Uh, reach like the harmonic whatever point of the glass, like an opera singer singing. He could have, yeah. He could wasn't forced. He could have done that in, n- in numerous ways, right? But yeah. that was cool because he used his speed yeah. in a way that only he would know how. It's just like if Barry Allen was starting to teleport by vibrating. Yeah, that, that was the kind of moment where it's like cool, very cool. They it made perfect cool. use of his powers. Yeah, it's great. So you know, basically at that point, we've got uh, Quicksilver, and he says, "Hey." Oh no, it's Magneto. Magneto's like, okay, you got me out of here. You do realize that in a few seconds those doors are going to open and we're going to be greeted by a shit ton of guards that are holding guns at us. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. And he's like, all right, I'm going to hold the back of your neck. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, so you don't get whiplash. And he's like, what? And he goes, whiplash. <laughs> and then as soon as the doors open, it's like. Boom! He flies through there, and then like the look on Magneto's face. Oh yeah, Michael, Fa- <laughs> Michael Fassbender's reaction to this, especially right after the moment it ends, is priceless. He's Fuck. like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Um, we get. Uh, oh, oh, we were talking about. Um, no, let's go. Let's move on. Let's go. Let's talk about the uh, Quicksilver, uh, the kitchen scene. Okay. Um, so basically they they're in the they're in the kitchen. Yeah. This is a Tupperware moment. <laughs> Quicksilver. Okay, so basically they're in the kitchen and it's Wolverine, Xavier, and Quicksilver and Fast Bender Magneto. Yeah. And uh they got guns pointed at them. And uh Quicksilver, they start to fire. As soon as the gunshots are fired, that's when time starts to slow down. Right. And I thought this looked amazing in three D. Yeah. Jay, would you agree? Absolutely. I, I agree this part looked amazing yeah. in 3D. Okay. So it looked amazing in 3D. The, the whole fucking setup. Yeah. So, it's such a good setup for a fucking fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, – Quicksilver puts on the goggles at that point and starts to like – he does like this Prince of Persia running on the walls thing. And as he's moving like the sprinkler system, the the, the water's still coming down in slow motion – Everybody's moving in slow motion, except for Quicksilver. We get to see him in almost like normal time, yeah, I guess. Right. And uh, it's the single coolest, most memorable scene in the film, in my opinion. He's moving so fast that everything else is just in slow motion to the song Time in a Bottle. That was so <laughs> yeah, good. The Jim Croce the song. The Jim Croce song, which that song, I've never really liked it, but in this instance oh, it was the coolest fucking song yeah. ever Beautiful. and i've had that song stuck in my <laughs> head too. ever since yeah and uh, <laughs> the music just fits so well here and it also it goes along with the 70s theme right yeah totally and even how he took him out too like one guy he positioned his fist 
to where when he yeah. let it go and time sped back up, he knocked himself on his ass. That's what I loved about it, the fucking physics. Yeah. The setup. Yeah. It was yeah. so the good. physics of how this was going to And he end. had plenty of time to like figure it out. It was yeah. very and, funny. And he didn't do what was the most practical thing. He did what was the most entertaining thing to him. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> of course you're thinking, oh, just stop the bullets. Yeah. 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 No, and he the last out. thing he does. He's, he's having fun. He, he, yeah. he dips his finger into the hot chocolate and licks uh-huh. it. The bullets are slowly – they're just making their way towards Wolverine, Magneto, Xavier. And he gives one of the guards a creeper. <laughs> That's great. Gives yeah. one of the guards a creeper. <laughs> he takes one guard. He flips his gun out of his hands. He t- sets up another guard to punch himself in the face. Two other guards who are pointing their guns at the mutants. He now points the guns towards the other guard, but not to shoot each other, but just to kind of pistol whip, whip each other Yeah. after this all plays out. Then – Bam, everything goes to normal speed. All of a sudden, like, you know, and oh, yeah, he moves the bullets. He yeah. positions yeah. the bullets it's at like the last second. But, yeah, he just like moves the bullets so that they'll hit the wall. And as soon as everything goes back to normal speed, it's like all they remember seeing is like gunshot, gunfire. The guards, all they remember is like, oh, we're going to take out these mutants. As soon as normal speed resumes, all the guards fall down. And the, and everybody else is just left like in awe of what Quicksilver just did because they knew it was him and even, yeah. even Wolverine pats him on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he did a great job of establishing how fast he was really moving too because we've seen a million times Wolverine pulls claws out and how fast they come out. Yeah. They kept cutting back to how where his bone claws were out as they were coming out. So you could tell, like, oh shit, he's moving really fucking well, fast. Well, he did all that in less than a, in a couple seconds, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, think about the time it takes for a bullet to reach its target, right? Yeah, yeah. But I it, mean, it was also an instance of Magneto was going to make a move. He was going to be like, "I'm going to take care of this right now." He can't. And Xavier was like, "No, stop." Yeah, that was when Xavier like grabbed the him. guns. The guns though were the plastic guns, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. But he was going to do something. He was going to make a move. And before he even made that move, Xavier grabbed him and then Quicksilver was already off. Right? Yeah, I, I right. agree with Jay. Xavier was like, don't worry about it kind of pretty much. He's right. Like, we got this unlocked. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> sitting there and Quicksilver's like, I've got this. It made me fucking love Quicksilver. I loved Quicksilver. I did not love Quicksilver until I saw this. Right. You don't think, though, the, that – The Carl's Jr. commercial didn't do it for I me. did not no. love him. You don't think, though, that part of the reason why Xavier was trying to stop Magneto was because of what they talk about later the confusion between what he was trying to do with JFK and what he wasn't. Oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. I yeah, love that, that, that hadn't even been brought up at this point. Right, yeah. but Xavier would know about it. Xavier wouldn't want him to kill anybody. No, he was just as shocked when he found out about it. Yeah, because he didn't have his powers. No, and that's a good call. We missed that. I love the fact that um, Magneto was in jail because of the JFK assassination. Right. Right. Yeah. A big laugh. No, we're going to talk about that. That, that. That's talked about later on the plane, I believe. Yep. So yeah. uh, let's take a oh, quick gotcha. yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and then we'll finish up the rest of the movie. I just don't want to lose the content. Yeah, I hear, okay. you. No. I hear you absolutely not. No. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do. Save every day till eternity passes away Just to spend them with you If I could make days last forever If we 
words could make wishes come true I'd save every day like a treasure and then again I would spend them with you but there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find Um, yeah, let's see here. Where are we in the movie? So, X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, yeah, we're on the scene. Uh, this is the last we see a Quicksilver, and uh, they're at the airport. They're going to get on the plane. They're going to head out, and they're going to... Uh, where are they? They're on their way to... Where are they going to? Are they on their way to Paris? Because of that... Uh, in Paris, there's that uh, Bolivar Trask and that whole meeting and stuff like that. Yeah, they're on their way to intercept uh, Mystique. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, I thought this was cool. We got a scene where, uh, you know, uh, this is where Charles and, and Xavier actually get to kind of like talk to each other after the events of first class. And, of course, there's some, uh, you know, pent-up frustration. Xavier starts going off on him. You know, look what you did to Mystique. You know, you swayed her to go to your side and blah, 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 blah. And that's where uh, Magneto starts getting pissed off at fucking Xavier and saying, well, look who's dead now, Banshee, uh, Azazel, uh, who else died? Uh, all those characters, Banshee, right? yeah. Right. All the... Emma Frost. Yeah, all the original dead, first class, basically. Yeah. And, Besides Havoc, I think. Yeah. So they all died, and he's, like, blaming uh, Xavier for it. And as he's yelling and screaming at Xavier, like, there's shit getting tossed around inside the plane, and even the plane, the outside exterior of the plane starts to dent. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Like and, a tin can. And they're yeah. like, yeah, they're going downwards. And Hank's like, you know, hey, Eric, Eric, you need to chill out. So basically he chills out. They level off. And as soon as they level off, I thought it was cool. Like all the dents that were in the plane, Xavier makes them just expand, pop back out, and the yeah. plane looks brand new. <laughs> yeah. Xavier does that? or No, no, Magneto. I'm oh, sorry. Gotcha. I'm sorry. It was Magneto who did it. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, then it's, then we get a cool scene. I love this scene between, uh, Magneto and Wolverine. So it's Fassbender and Jackman. They're talking and, uh, he's like, uh, basically saying like how, how he got sent back by them together, Xavier and Magneto. And, uh, he's like, so yeah, you like, we know each other. And he's like, Wolverine then busts out another cigar, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was cool. In an airplane. <laughs> and Wolverine, in only the way that Jackman could say it, says, yeah, I spent a lot of time trying to take you down, bub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he says, uh, you know, like, you know, how did we make it this far? And he's like, you're like me, you're a survivor. Yeah. And he's like, you want to pick that shit up? <laughs> <laughs> and just another scene I thought was very cool, just the interplay between those two, and then, yeah. you know, they finish it off with a little bit of humor. And then um, I thought it was cool. Like, next scene, we get fucking uh, Fastbender as Magneto. He's the one that goes over to Xavier holding the chessboard, yeah. wanting to play a game of chess like they used to. Yeah. And he's like, it's been a long time. And he's like, I don't think it's the time. And he sits down, and I was like, I'll give you the first move. And... And um, 
then that's when we get the whole Kennedy speech. He explains that, uh, you know, um, you know, I didn't know that you were in there for killing Kennedy. And he's like, listen, I tried to save Kennedy before security actually took me down. Mm-hmm. And he explains that Kennedy was one of us. So right. Kennedy was actually a mutant. Yeah. And I thought that was very cool. Didn't they talk though about before that, that, uh, Somebody said something about Kennedy and they said it had to be Magneto. How, yeah. how else does a magic bullet curve? So well, Frank's right. It, this, at this point, it was the reveal that Magneto was innocent and trying right. to save Kennedy. And yeah. before they had already said that. Yeah, they just, yeah. that's why he was there is because like they thought – actually, the bullet did curve and it was because of Magneto. Yes. But it right. would have curved enough so that it wouldn't have hit the target. But he was taken down by security before. Right. Yes. Yeah. That was why I was saying what I what I did about how he was trying to stop Eric in the kitchen, thinking that he was going to kill again, because he already thinks that he killed Kennedy because of how the bullet curved. All right, Frank, you're right. <laughs> what do you want, a fucking button? Play, play, the, play the cue. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just got served by hammer. <laughs> Yeah, you win, Frank. <laughs> Can't argue with that cue. Yeah, who's the big winner tonight? But, but let me stop you guys and just examine this scene. <laughs> I I just this was one of those moments where I really loved was was like you said the interplay between Wolverine and Magneto, where they're talking about how they're both survivors. I understand you. Yeah, we understand each other. Therefore, I'm not gonna. You know, we have nothing against each other. That kind of thing. Like you know me. Yeah, right. I, I know you because we're the same. Person. Well, there's a respect there too. I mean, even Wolverine said, "I, I took a lot. I, I, I spent a lot of time trying to take you down." Right. He's he, you know, he he could try and attack him at any time, but he's not doing it. Mm-hmm. He's just like, "I'm watching you." But we we have a respect for each other. That's why I know you because we're similar. Right. That kind of like brought Magneto to that next stage, where I was like. This guy is a guy to be reckoned with. Like, Fastbender was awesome as Magneto. He made him that kind of really badass Magneto that we always, yeah. the mastermind, you mm-hmm. know. But this kind of put him into the field of, like, this guy is untouchable. Like, Magneto could be untouchable just like Wolverine is untouchable. Like, you right. don't fuck with that guy. Those right. two talking together, like, that was a huge scene for me. Yeah, yeah. To put him into that element, like... That, it was a memorable scene, yeah. just watching these two talk to each other. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the time, all we see is, like, you know, Professor X and Magneto talking with yeah. one yeah. another. Yeah. So it was kind of cool, like, Singer is like, oh, you know what? I'm going to give you that scene where fucking, you know, the Hulk is talking to Loki. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And, like, even in the comic books, like... Or, or Loki talking to Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and is this where he said that those those claws are amazing? Imagine if they were metal. Yeah. That was cool. Too. That was a foreshadowing. No, that was actually in the kitchen scene, right? Was that when, there? Okay, because yeah. I knew he said it, and I wanted to bring it up. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah right. that was cool. But that that just brought like the badassness of what this Magneto was. Like that is the true Magneto. Like even in the comic books, Wolverine cannot fuck with Magneto. It's just like right. It's two opposing forces. Like you can't do it. Uh, Mystique. We get in, uh, Mystique. She breaks into Trask in- Industries. And uh, she wants to learn more about what's going on, what their deal is. She's being very – it's very spy. Yeah. Very spy thing. She she actually um, turns into Bolivar Trask, and she learns that, uh, you know, uh, that uh, they've been experimenting on mutants. And she starts to cry as she, like, looks at, like, some of the pictures of the mutants and stuff like that. 
Um, then we is this next where we get the scene of uh, where she frees the mutant soldiers that we saw in Amazing Spider-Man Two? <laughs> yes. Yes. Now this scene actually works so much better in the order that you see that event unfold in the film than when we saw it in the original teaser trailer in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. It just makes sense when you see it in the actual flow of the movie. Yeah. When they just throw it in as like a fucking t- like a trailer, it looked horrible. Right. But in the flow of the actual film, knowing what's actually going on, it works so much better. It was just jarring as the post credit sequence for Spider-Man. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? How does this relate with Spider-Man? Right. Uh, we in that scene we see Alex Summers as Havoc. We got Ink, and then we and then Toad, and then there's the one mutant. I don't know his name. The guy who had like the porcupine spikes in his head. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. But he made people sick, and they would fall down. All right. So um, then we get the meeting. Uh, It's uh, Striker. It's the meeting, right? We get the meeting, and Striker is there. Wolverine shows up and Mm -hmm. sees Striker again for the first time, and then. Wolverine starts to freak the fuck out as soon as he's seen Stryker, and now he's going in between both time periods. He's almost going right. back into the future, and he starts to flail, and the claws become unleashed. She slashes Kitty Pride. She starts to bleed. She fi- he finally comes back. He's like freaking out. He doesn't know who anybody is now. Yeah, and he loses his memory. He's like looking at Xavier. And I thought that this was actually pretty amazing when Xavier looks at him and he's like. You're on acid. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Someone gave you really bad acid. Yeah. You know what? This was the the only part of the movie where I had a nerd annoyance about. Literally the only part. What's that? Uh, out of all characters to get accidentally cut and start bleeding. Kitty pride. Kitty fucking pride. Yeah. Intangible kitty fucking pride gets cut and we're worried about whether or not she's going to die or Bleed not out. before Wolverine can come yeah. back. Yeah, I'll ignore it. I still Tupperware it, but as I was like, "Come on!" Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. The minute claws are flailing yeah. around, Kitty Pride is fucking intangible. Give, right. me, give me a break, and, and nobody else can fix it. Yeah, nobody can take care of it. Just put 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 pressure on it, Ice Man. Yeah, but don't use your powers to fucking like cauterize that or like heal it with your well, eyes. They could use sunspot to do that. Or sunspot, yeah, cauterize the wound. Yeah, this yeah, this was well, the only. And as soon as he started organs. flailing around, Magneto could have. Held him in place, yeah. which he eventually did do. Exactly. There was hundreds of. And then, th- this was the only part in the whole movie where I nerded out a little bit and was like, "Come on!" Yeah, but we can forgive it. For I, I forgive it because too. the rest of it is Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, then uh, at that point, uh, isn't it Magneto's going to shoot Mystique? Yes. Yep. Right. And then, uh, fuck no. the camera. Is that what happens? Yeah, Stryker gets hit with like a the, the the taser dart. Yeah, yeah. I think Magneto takes it out of Mystique's neck and puts right. it into his, and then Mystique jumps out the window. Yeah, and Magneto uses the bullet to kind of follow her. Right, and the only one that can really stop him at that point is Wolverine, but Wolverine's immobilized because he's right. having a basic fucking panic attack. Right. Yeah, he's seen the guy that's tortured him. To yeah. the extent, you know, like he's having panic attacks. Yeah, he sees William Stryker, who's the head of the Weapon X thing, yeah. the guy that like gave him the adamantium claws, kind of like yeah. tortured his tortured ass. Tortured his ass. Yeah. Do you think with him slipping between time that he basically relived that? And oh, that yeah. was why he was going so crazy? 
It wasn't just like seeing it because he did say that, oh, I just saw something that's going to cause me a whole lot of pain one day. Right. But, I mean, the way that he went off, I mean, I really thought that he was reliving it, refeeling how it happened. Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. I think that was that's the whole part of a panic attack is reliving fucking traumatic experiences. And, yeah, maybe just the mental, like, argument of why doesn't you just kill this motherfucker right here and now? That's and Wolverine. against that. Right, yeah. 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 How can yeah. Wolverine struggle against that? It's going to cause some problems. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's the scene where Mystique jumps out the window and then she she transforms into somebody else to try and hide from Magneto, which I thought was cool, too. Yeah. Um, then we get the really cool... I thought it was cool, and we, we shit on this, too, when we saw the first pictures of it. The Beast and Magneto fight. Mm-hmm. Wow, Beast and Magneto going at it. That was pretty fucking cool. You did not expect Beast to go after Magneto. Right. No, or even come close to coming out on top. No, yeah, absolutely. Like, you thought Wolverine was going to be that guy. Yeah. He was totally immobilized. But Beast took the initiative. He's like, I'm gonna go after this fucking guy. Magneto sure. then used like the like the 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 metal sculpture within the fountain yeah. to kind of like uh, hold uh, the Beast and keep him into place and like uh, restrain him. Yeah. And uh, all the people are watching around. Like the there's the public is actually out there because they know that this meeting was going on with the Vietnamese. It was a big deal. The war was ending, and so all the public is outside and. They're all looking at the beast. Did anybody else get like a whole feeling like like they were looking at him like, oh my god, this is a mutant? I was like ready for the beast to say, I am not an animal. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole elephant man scene going on here. You know? yeah, right, yeah. I'm a human being. <laughs> yeah, it was their big reveal to the world. Yeah, I mean he was almost like he was almost like crucified on these things, and Magneto could have obviously killed him at any point that he wanted to, and that's another thing I love about Magneto. Yeah. He doesn't take out his own kind, you know? Yeah. But uh, that whole scene was like, it, it was reminiscent of that. It was reminiscent of like the Wolfman and, and Frankenstein, like yeah. the, the the hordes of people being like, oh, fuck this mutant. Yeah. That was cool, and then he escaped. Like, that was another cool part. Yeah, he ripped out and went right yeah. back after Magneto. And this yeah. part was super fascinating because it was very much a whatever happened 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 part i mean yes they stopped mystique from killing trask yeah but then them they themselves created the need for the sentinels to be created just by the actions of stopping mystique whatever can happen will happen yeah right yeah. So, <laughs> really interesting time travel stuff going X-Men. on here yeah all the way um i don't know uh then uh after this all happens, they're introduced to the world. I, oh, and I love the Magneto scene where, like, he, like, basically, Magneto's just, like, coming out of this whole fucking thing. You know, he's out there, people are recording him, and the police pull their guns, and he just, like, you know, moves his hand in, like, a very, like, a Jedi Force type move. Like, yeah. you know, shit start, like, you know, like, the police cars, the police cars flip over, these guys flip over, their yeah. guns. And, their guns all, yeah. yeah. He, he, he basically pushes, like, there's paparazzi yeah. and everybody else and police, and he just, like, whoosh. And he's just thinking, fuck, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, where the fuck is Mystique? Right. Oh yeah, dude. He, uh, Mystique's got the fucking bullet in her. She yeah. turns into the, uh, the chick and he starts to, oh. he, he starts to use his power to pull her. Yeah. Uh, but he's Using pulling the bullet. The bullet, yeah. the bullet yeah. that's Wicked. still in her leg. And, and he, she's screaming in pain. Yeah. And he explains like, hey, I, you know, no, he doesn't explain anything at that point. No. That, that was fucking badass. Yeah. <laughs> 
I need to see that movie again. I need yeah, to see it too. again. I've seen it twice. I need to see it again. So basically, uh, Magneto, like, uh, later on, they show Magneto, and he's like, isn't he looking at, is he on, he's looking at, like, trying to, he's going to break into that. He finds out about that government facility. Yeah. And as he's, like, looking into the, researching this government facility, because he wants to get his his suit back, the whole time, like when the beast threw him down, he like in the in the in the uh, fountain, he like busted the back of his head and he's bleeding. But when they show him again, he's performing metal stitches himself yeah. through the air. Yeah, uh-huh. like almost, you know what I that mean. Cool. The metal stitches, he's stitching himself yeah. up in the back of the head, and he's reading about like this government facility. And so that's where we cut to. Uh, he wants to get his helmet back, and you see um, that was a cool scene. So he walks into this government facility. He's got like the the um, fucking Indiana Jones fedora on, yeah. right. the glasses, Shades. yep, looking suave like a motherfucker. And he's got the two metal uh, balls yeah. hovering above his hand. He sees the two guards. Boom, the balls hit them in the foreheads, knock right. them down like he's fucking, you know, David and Goliath and shit. Yeah. They get knocked out. The one guard, he's looking at him like... Circling around his head. The one at the table, yeah, yeah. it's circling around his head. He's like, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And the guy goes for the button, for the panic button he's or like, whatever, and boom, yeah. <laughs> he goes into that room and he sees the different X-Men artifacts that they've got on display there. Kind of an Easter egg, kind of a throwback to First Class, making sure that First Class was a legit film. Yeah. Yeah. What do we see? We see four artifacts. Number one, we see Havoc's suit. Number two, we see the helmet, of course, Magneto's helmet. The third one, we see uh, Angel Salvador from First Class. We see her wings there. Right. She was played by Zoe Kravitz in that film. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is the daughter of Lenny Kravitz um, and Lisa Bonet. Yes. So there's another artifact there. To the left of Havoc's suit there is a small little circular it almost looks like a chip or something i don't know what it was i still don't know what it was hmm. there, if you look at that scene again there are four artifacts there a lot of people just notice the three yeah i only know there's the four three. to the left of havoc suit there's a small little circular image it's almost like the like a size of a button hmm. huh. i don't know what it was but i'd be interested if anybody had any theories it's the t-800s chip another terminator reference (laughs) so uh yeah the t-800 arm was the only thing that was missing in the glass case that's weird yeah what the hell there was something there what the hell could that have been yeah um let's see here so he gets his helmet back gets the suit back we get the scene frank you talked about it earlier when fucking he jumped onto the train yeah yeah that was wicked because instead i mean we see these guys use their powers on other things we never see it really have an impact on them or how they would you know utilize it just in a pedestrian kind of way and he pretty much pulls a spider-man yeah control and uses his control of metal to fling himself yeah onto the train that was wicked it was cool because like he uh he he had been spying on trask and then like delivering these new sentinels he watched them load them into these train cars and yeah he jumps onto the train very cool uh, and then he uses his powers to uh take the railroad tracks behind them he lifts them up they're levitating 
And what's really cool is the train tracks is he basically splits the metal and it unravels. It almost like comes apart like a like a Twizzler, like a piece of licorice. Yeah. Like and then it, he uses that metal to twist inside the Sentinels and wrap around the Sentinels' body. He's almost creating circuitry out of the train tracks. Yeah. Well, he can Crazy. control the metal, so now he yeah. can control the Sentinels. It was right. very cool. Very cool scene. I loved it. Um, I love the Sentinels being propelled by their blow dryers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Made me laugh. They certainly were. <laughs> that I love that scene. Like that's another like uh part of the three D experience for me was like those murky kind of nighttime scenes. That yeah. was one of them that I really enjoyed was yeah. I love the nighttime scene of him getting on that fucking train and taking it out and getting right. in the Sentinels, all that shit. Like they didn't need to include that singer didn't need to put that in there, but it was another moment that was like, that's totally badass. Yeah, it was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the final battle. Uh, this is where Magneto ar- arrives at the stadium. The one guy, you know, we see the little guy pushing his little cart and making the lines in the in the baseball field. And, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Magneto just kind of lands. Here he is. He lands in the middle of the stadium and just basically rips the stadium up. And the stadium is floating now, and he's just like flying and carrying the stadium with them and it's almost like he's just hey uh here's my fortress i'm going to take it to the battlefield yeah the most iconic magneto scene we have ever seen and yep. like it, one of the best villain scenes we've ever seen it beat uh, the scene in first class when uh he took the chains from the from the big the the big boat yeah i was gonna yeah. say it beat the stadium scene in dark knight rises <laughs> <laughs> yeah easily oh, yeah absolutely oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, once he gets the, uh, stadium and uh, the stadium lands, uh, that's the is that the that's the White House, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like, it basically, the stadium is now, um, the White House is encased with this stadium. Yeah, surrounding it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the police can't get in there. You know, Nixon is in there. President Nixon. Right? <laughs> yeah. I love uh, that fucking actor. That's yeah, it was, it was good. good. Yeah, he yeah. was good. <laughs> so uh, we see a really cool fight between the Sentinels. He turns the Magneto turns the Sentinels on Beast and Wolverine. Yeah. Talk about this. What did you guys did? You guys like this? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. It, you got to see Wolverine go toe to toe with something three times his size and not give a fuck. Just punched it right in the fist. Well, do you think like when he pulled out his claws and he went to cut this thing off, he still thought he had the adamantium for a second? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I think he yeah. kept forgetting a lot of times. Yeah, to right. That he was popping bones. Yeah, he, he got it stuck in like popping bones. <laughs> he he got it stuck in like his like gears or something. Yeah, in his yeah. arm. And, like I think everybody was like, ooh, yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I don't like about the bone claws. Yeah, I don't like I, those I don't bone like claws. Bones breaking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, for sure. But it was cool, like, because everybody wants to see Wolverine versus the Sentinel, and they right. did kind of show that a little bit. Yeah. I want to see more of that, yeah. but yeah, they did kind of show that. That was cool. Uh, cool little showdown between the two. I really yeah. got a good uh, feeling of, like, that very first episode of the X-Men cartoon. Hey, Tin's Woodsman. Ah, Tin Woodsman, I'm going to send you back to Oz. Yeah, yeah. You don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, bring it on. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he knows his vulnerabilities, but he's willing to go toe-to-toe with it and yeah. just totally fucking attack it. He didn't hold back. Oh, he still knows he's got his healing factor, too. Right. Yeah, yeah. he's uh-huh. no sucker. Yeah. <laughs> but I honestly think he forgot about the adamantium. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I'm going to slice this thing in half. Yeah, because it yeah, was kind of like, Guh. he like stuck like, it in, and he's like, uh. And everybody right. in the crowd's like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, you still got bone claws, dude. Yeah. <laughs> 
so uh, then as you know, Wolf, uh, the Sentinels are fighting Beast and Wolverine the whole time. Then Magneto, he's like, he's taking this to, he's a ham. Yeah. He's a fucking ham. So oh, for sure. What's he do? He, the cameras, he uses them to point towards him and starts giving this grand speech. Um, they sh- show, we uh, as he's talking on the TV screens, they cut to the Maximoff home again. The mother uh, is watching him on TV while Quicksilver is watching with his younger sister, who we all assume is Wanda. Of course. Uh, the Scarlet Witch. Um, Sean O'Connell of Cinema Blend, he sat down with Fassbender, and he asked him point blank. He said... He asked him if Magneto in this movie was, in fact, the uh, the father of Quicksilver. I want to play the response. Oh, cool. I have to ask, is is Magneto Quicksilver's father? Yes. Yes? Good. I'm Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, man. There we go. Uh, Yes. (laughs) There you have it. So, yeah, he's the father. Fantastic. All right. Fantastic. Felt like we were on an episode of Maury. (laughs) Is Magneto the father? Was it uh, it Wolverine earlier that they were asking, do you got any kids? And he goes, I certainly hope not. Yeah. Was that Wolverine earlier in the movie? Wolverine's got two kids in the comic books. Yeah. And both of them have ironically tried to kill him. One has been the uh, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. <laughs> but yeah, I was excited about that because Magneto was very much fucking Darth Vader in this movie. Like a lot of times was like, yeah, was Anakin, you know, to me yeah. as yeah. a fan of Star Wars films. I was yeah. like, ah, oh, like God. doing the wrong thing for the right when, reason. When, when he fucking, the, my favorite part about the whole movie was when he got the helmet and he grabbed it. And he just like it. It touched his hand, and the music was like boom. Right. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this: When you're watching this, and they show the scene, and it's when Quicksilver is watching his father talk on the TV. His mother's watching it. I kept thinking, okay, they're sitting there, like watching the TV, and you see Magneto on TV. Blah blah blah. Okay, I kept thinking of that scene in Armageddon, where the little boy is watching his father getting ready to go on that mission. And she's like. <laughs> That man is your daddy. Yeah. I kept thinking, like, <laughs> it's like, funny. it just reminded me of that scene in Armageddon for some reason. That ties into what I said earlier about Ben and Fleck in Armageddon, right? In that meteors. totally got cut off. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, shit. Right, listeners, we totally lost shit. all that. Yeah. You guys missed out on a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> uh, Raven, uh, she turns into Nixon, and uh, this is where. She comes out and starts talking to Magneto and says, if you're going to kill anybody, kill me. Don't kill them. And uh, we get the final battle with the mutants. Um, that final battle of the mutants is the future mutants, yeah. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Storm actually uses her powers, which is pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, as this is going on in the past, we get the final battle in the future and everything kind of ties in. I thought it was really cool. You know, Colossus gets ripped in half. Yeah. That was, Warpath. That was crazy. Yeah, Warpath is being held up by a Sentinel. Sentinel drops him right into that fire beam that they used to, like, uh, the, that he got the powers from Sunspot. Yeah. Fucking melts fucking Warpath's head right off. He's fucking dead. brutal, man. Fucking brutal, man. There's one thing I want to get to before we get too far away from it. There's at one point where Trask is in, like, a lab, and somebody's talking to him about the mutants. And they refer to him as being a problem, and Trask says, on the contrary, I think they're... They're, they're our only hope. They're our saviors. They're our future. Right. That's true. He that, does. He does say that. Yeah. Right. I, I've I've got a theory about some stuff later on, but it's important to note that that uh, Mystique's trying to take him out when that's his real motivation. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 
why not? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. We'll Shut your it. fucking mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's the last time I'm doing. I'm not doing that. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ignorant. I don't know why I keep doing that. <laughs> Continue, sir. So, yeah, I mean, basically, this is wrap up the film. I mean, Mystique gets to the point where, you know, Xavier gets in her head, starts talking to her about, like, you know, you need to stop this. We need to, you know, don't kill. You know, she has a point where there's a point where she can, you know, what is it? She's going to kill fucking... Who's she gonna shoot? Trash. She's, trash. Yeah, yeah. She's, trash. Yeah, she's holding the gun to trash. He right. becomes trash. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I've seen the movie twice. I still don't fucking remember. <laughs> Sorry, there's so much going on. There's so much going yeah. on. So like, yeah, she's gonna shoot trash, and she puts the gun down. As soon as she puts the gun down, at the same time in the future, I mean, there's a blast that's gonna fucking kill ev- all the future X Men. Yeah. Right. She puts the gun down. It changes everything. So days of future past bye-bye it's yeah. done so yeah the mutants win the day <laughs> yeah. but i loved it i thought everything was great the execution was great the time travel was great um i thought it was absolutely fantastic i love the movie love it the reveal at the end that you know cyclops and gene gray are back alive oh yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. Um, as, a, as a comic book fan i couldn't help but think for a moment that we were coming back to a future where wolverine was the headmaster of the school yeah um, yeah, I'm you know, thinking of Wolverine and the X Men. I thought for a second someone I did too. was going to call I thought him about Master or something. Yep, I took it like they reset it back to uh, the cartoon with all the stuff that was going on in there that people liked, like the uh, the lens that uh, Cyclops had looked more like what he should have been wearing. Yeah, I, I really felt like this was the point at which they said, "All right, you know what? All this other shit that happened, fuck it. We're going to give you what you want. This is where we're at right here, right now." Yeah, they fixed a lot of mistakes. Basically, yeah. Wolverine went went in the past well, and fixed all the mistakes of the other shitty X Men movies. When we can, when we do the next movie, now we can have Jean Grey and Cyclops in the next movie. It right. doesn't have to be like James Marsden and Famke Jansen. It can right. be like an '80s version. We can do it in the '80s, and it can be like uh, you know these characters are back now. Yeah, yeah. And everything, every little thing, if you think about it, that happened in the movie where they, they had little ripples with the timeline, stuff were, was just slightly different. It wasn't way off. And I think that's how they were trying to justify uh, what happened in the previous movies. It kind of like established those as prequels without calling them that, which, I mean, yeah, you, you, you find bullshit with all of it. But to say that that never really happened, you can accept them for what they were. So, um, crap. Well, <laughs> but no, because they didn't. It because they didn't go along with what has been established as canon. They're resetting it now and basically saying, yes, what we're going to do is move forward with canon. But uh, there were with the post credit stuff. Uh, there was two things. One was humorous, and the other was not. Well, before we skip ahead to the post-credit stuff, I, I really like how ambiguous it was whether or not Wolverine was even able to stop the Sentinel threat. I think that's always fascinating, just like the comic books. I mean, yes, he, he stopped the immediate threat, but they almost made it even more obvious that yeah. they needed to create these things. And I really feel like that it it just it was kind of a quick fix, kind of a Band-Aid. Yeah. Well, this movie also made it to a point where, like, Wolverine, you know, he's discovered. We didn't even talk about that, but, like, he gets tied up with the metal, thrown into the river. Yep. And then, you know, Stryker finds him, so he's going to get the adamantium again. So that's tied up. Yeah. So it's not like he doesn't, he's without the bone claws now in the future. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, Wolverine wakes up into the future, and he's back in the school. We get our quick little five-second, if that, scene of Rogue and Bobby, Iceman. Yeah. And Two uh, seconds of... Um, and a pack. Frazier as Beast. Yeah. <laughs> 
right? Exactly. Yeah, which was still satisfying. Right, right? It was like yeah. a hell yeah, yeah. moment. It was yeah. still satisfying. Well, he was filming the Expendables as they did this, so yeah. there was going to be more B scenes with uh, Kelsey Grammer, but he just didn't have the time. And I thought it was really cool that he came back and did this anyway. Yeah, no, I think it was better off with the quick, quick. I yeah. do too. No, I do too. Just a real quick nod. Um, then well, let's talk about the post credit scene. You guys want to talk about that? Oh yeah, yeah. Why not? Shit. Okay. Did so they what, advertise Spider Man at the end? <laughs> yeah. No shit. <laughs> uh, in the post credit scene, if if you would have stayed around, like I saw a lot of. No, actually, nobody left my theater because I only had like seven people in Me there. Neither. Shit, yeah. tons of people left mine. Yeah. Stupid. Uh, we see a young version of En Saba Noor. He's uh, otherwise known as Apocalypse. Uh, it appears what feels like the, uh, I mean, it, uh, really, it was like a l- really long credit sequence before we got to that. Yeah, it? it was a long it credit felt, sequence. Yeah. Did you guys look at any of that? Read any of it? The credits? The credits? I read every name, Frank. Yeah, no, this is, this is the I fucking could, funny part. I could tell you who. Jay gets it. I, I don't get it. You don't get it? No. There was made up shit in there. They made it extra long on purpose. No. Seriously, look it up. Look it up. There was made up shit in what, there. Okay, like when elaborate they the songs, on, when they, elaborate on a quote unquote made up shit. And when they when they uh, listed what songs were in there, there was music that was not in the movie at all. No, the Price is Right theme was in there. No. It said the Price is Right theme, and it was in there when the Maximoff House when they opened up the door to the Maximoff House, they were watching the Price is Right. Right. What, what What are you talking about? Made up shit. Funny names, things like that. I wasn't the only one that got it. Other people that stuck around were reading reading the credits. Well, There's they, always they, funny names. Yeah. They, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not ones. I mean, uh, shit. I mean, it, it would be a damn near along the lines of like Mike Hunt, but not that literally. I mean, I swear. They, I, I can't think of it right off the top of my head because there was so much shit you couldn't read it all. But I mean, it, it didn't. It if you feel come in, you, if you come here, you got to come here with facts, Frank. Right. <laughs> well, I, I figured you guys would notice it, but I mean, I mean, it didn't feel extra long. When to you? credits roll, I'm yeah. always checking my cell phone. Yeah, I don't know right. about anybody else. Like I'm. Checking. That's that's why they did it because everybody knows they're going to get that little sliver of something good at the I, end. I don't believe it. Th- I, I think, think I they threw this. Yeah, in. I don't believe it. Either. I'm not. Bl- I'm not buying it. I'm telling you. The last, <laughs> I'm not the last thing <laughs> singers trying to do is throw in cunt references in the end. No, 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 no. <laughs> Literally, I mean, I know there's listeners out there. Somebody's going to back me up on this that they that they read it and that they got it and that they found they found the humor in it. They're cracking jokes in the credits. They made it extra long on purpose. All right, I can't believe you guys of all people didn't get that. It's possible. It's so good. I'm looking at my cell phone. I'm texting people back. I'm checking Facebook. And you did it twice. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, and I I checked my phone twice. But that was the thing. It was that the the credits were so fucking long. It. it, I'm telling you, Easter egg for people. I I would believe it. I would believe it if you had like concrete. Like this is the name. I really wish, but I had no way of like trying to copy something down. But I'm telling you, man. I mean, the the listeners, man, they're going to hit you up on shit once this airs and they hear it. No, they're Somebody's not. going to back me up on it. <laughs> I'm telling you. No one made it this far into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to play another Hammer Time, but after that rant, I'm no, telling you. no way in hell. Yeah, you'll, you'll owe me one next week. I'm telling you. <laughs> Let's talk about what really happened. <laughs> So uh, there's the uh, post credit scene, and we see uh, you know a character, uh, a young apocalypse, and he's in a scene. They show an alternate history for the pyramids, and uh, I mean he's basically you know the camera is what you're watching the pyramids, and they're being built, and there's a there's a bunch of there's like a crowd of people, and they're chanting En Sabanur, En Sabanur, yeah, like he's a god. 
And as it closes in on the, the character, it reveals uh, to be Apocalypse, and he's a young man. He's gray and blue. And uh, I love, like, kind of like the robe he's wearing, just like in the comics. Yeah. Very cool, the Apocalypse colors. I that loved it. That was awesome. Um, in the distance, there's a silhouette of the four ho- horsemen, uh, and they appear on the horizon. So, I mean, do you guys think that this is going to be like we're going to get Archangel, uh, Wolverine, Gambit? I mean, what are you thinking? It, it could be. I, I definitely think it's going to be Archangel. I think it's going to be the people that we see or, or have been talked about in this movie that have died. Because right. there's there's four people that have died in this movie. And one of them, or, or because of the events of X-Men First Class and between this movie, and, you know, Nightcrawler's dad, Azale, Azalza. Yes. Am I saying yeah. that correctly? Yeah, no, not really. Azazel. Right. At least you're not talking about bullshit right. in the credit scene that Frank's talking about I think, over here. I think he's going to be one of them. I think Archangel is going to be one of them. But I've been debating with myself, like, is Wolverine's son one of them? Is Dakin one of them? Because he yeah. was one of them. Yeah. And Wolverine obviously slept around. Like, that's, right. not, that's not debatable. Right. We know that. So is his son one of the members? But I think it's going to be the people that have died, and I also think that they kind of hinted at that with the kind of, you know, like you said, the spiky guy with the pestilence kind of like. Mm. Right, I was wondering that. Making people sick. That's one of the things of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse is pestilence and death and war. So is Warpath going to be one of them? I mean, the the, the sky's the limit because basically everybody, including Emma Frost, everybody has been a horseman in the comic books. Guys, is is Brian Singer coming back and doing the next movie like they announced, or after this whole I allegation? So. Do you think? I hope so. At this I point, so, yeah. didn't he walk away from this though after the allegations? No, I, I'm pretty sure. He's I thought I read something like he won't be moving forward with these movies, but I don't know if it's concrete or not. I think I just read that he won't be doing publicity for this movie. Okay, right. Okay. You know what? That real quickly that in credit sequence was super confusing to me, and only if this movie would have been called uh, "Days of Future Past: Dawn of Apocalypse," it would have been much. <laughs> it would have been much more clear no, to me what happened. Days, days of Future Days of Future Past V. Oh. No, it should have been X-Men V Trask Days of Future Past Semicolon Dawn of Apocalypse. And it was totally making fun of the new Batman See, I, <laughs> I, I got the I got the impression though that by them teasing Apocalypse at the end, I remember from the cartoon where uh at the point at which Mystique is uh mind fucked by Apocalypse, mm-hmm. that that might not have been the case in him trying to have her assassinate Trask because they said once that, well, somebody must really want you guys dead. Who's so scared of your powers? Mm-hmm. It'd be fucking Apocalypse. Right, right. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just, it left so many questions because, like I said, everybody, even Iceman, Storm, Scarlet Witch, everybody has been a member of the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse. Gambit has been mentioned, like, mm-hmm. they were going to bring him about because of this movie right. as one of the Four Horsemen. But I, I see it as, I see it as the four people who died in this film who they brought up, which Azalza was one of them. Banshee. Banshee. Angel. Yeah. And I can't remember the fucking Emma Frost. Emma Frost. So all those people have been brought up as being dead in this film, Days of Future Past. I think there's, that's probably your fourth. I think you're onto it. I think you're onto it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Why did they bring that up otherwise? So one of the big things that Brian Singer set out to do with this film was to fix some of the continuity issues between his first two films and Brett Ratner's uh, X-Men. 
and, and even the X Men: The Last Stand, uh, just to tie that in, uh, you know, with 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 these stories. So, how did he do, guys? Do you think that uh, they did a pretty good job of uh, fixing the loose ends? Better than I imagined. Yeah, absolutely. What's okay? What's the probably the biggest question that you have after all this is would you would you okay? X, uh, let's talk about X Men Last Stand. How is Charles Xavier still alive? I think they would probably try to explain it away with something about uh, Kitty Pride and her ability to control consciousness. Well, he transferred himself into somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Very okay. That's uh, but it's not really obvious. Okay. Right. Uh, he dies at the end of X Men: The Last Stand. Jean Grey is the Phoenix. She kills Professor X with uh, her telekinetic powers. During the post-credit scene of that movie, we hear Professor X's voice. It comes out of another man's body. Yeah. And then it calls out to Moira McTaggart. Uh, earlier in the film, Xavier then talked about his ability to throw his consciousness into another person. Then in the DVD commentary of X-Men 3, director Brett Ratner, he talked about that this, he, he, he transferred his um, consciousness into the identical twin of Xavier. Right. Uh, it's fucking lame. Yeah, which yeah. We, we don't know. I think it's simpler than that. I mean, I think we, it's shown that Jean Grey hasn't killed Professor X in this new future. That, that's, that's why she's there getting along with Cyclops right. in the first place. Cyclops yep. isn't dead. Professor X isn't dead. Gene yeah. Grey didn't go batshit crazy and killed him. I know. I'm talking about the reasoning for Brett Ratner talking about how he's still alive yeah, from X3. Right. Uh, but no, I see what you're saying. Like what they did totally retcon that bullshit. Exactly. Too. Exactly. I get it. They fixed that. Yeah. Um no, I get it. I think we just answered it. Yeah. Very cool. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> That's the best part is that Wolverine fixes those shitty movies. Yeah. In a way. Right. In a way, not everything is tied up, though. Like, Singer did not tie up everything, and that is definitely one of my complaints about Brian Singer is that, like, dude, pay attention to the source material. Don't waste our fucking time with shitty X-Men movies right. and then reboot the goddamn thing because you fucked up. That's what pisses me off about Brian Singer. Uh, I love the movie. He totally redeemed, like, it was a satisfying ending and everything else. Mm -hmm. He did not fix a lot of the major plot holes. He did not even attempt to fix it because he fucked it up so bad that he couldn't. I'm not, no. I think he, I, this movie is just beautiful. I think he nailed it. I, I think it's great, too. I, Absolutely. To side with Jay a little bit, though, is I, I'm still scared for the next X-Men movie. Even though I want Brian Singer to come back and see if he can do it again, I'm yeah. still scared. Don't Guys, is anymore. this like Avengers level? Like as far as okay, yeah. oh for yeah. For me, I think it's a little just a shade beyond because I had such low expectations going in, and it blew my fucking mind. Yeah, this was movie magic. It was we, awesome. We, we went into Avengers expecting movie magic and got movie magic. Right. We went I went into Avengers. I didn't know because they're throwing all these characters into the same yeah. movie. I didn't think. I didn't know if there'd be enough screen time. Just like we were worried about this. I mean, we got a lot of characters. It's the same thing, but I think they both figured out two different formulas, but they made it work. You that, didn't go into Avengers thinking it was going to be shit, though. You you thought uh, are they going to be able to do this or not? You weren't like, oh my god, what kind of garbage am I getting ready to watch? <laughs> that's kind of the feeling that we had going into this. Well, I well, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that's like the point that Brian's making is that X Men are the anti heroes; they are not the Avengers. And so, like to tell that story correctly, everything that they did 
was putting the X-Men on the defensive for the rest of their fucking lives. It doesn't matter what happens or what they do to try and change the events. They're always going to be on the defensive about something. They are the ultimate anti-heroes. The Avengers are the heroic. I'm out in the open. I'm the hero. Everybody worships me. Yeah. The X-Men's like, I'm not going to show you myself because you're going to fucking hate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I love is that they finally nailed that right. aspect is like what separates the X-Men from the Avengers. And so I think that plays into the like the whole movie thing too is that you know we need to look at this as that they finally portrayed the X-Men as always on the defensive. The Avengers are always, you know, just the heroic I'm out in the open, I'm on the offensive and they're going to be more so in the Avengers too now that Shield's gone. Mm-hmm. But this this movie finally I think finally nailed that point was that these are the anti-heroes always on the defensive, always having fucking troubles within their own ranks with everybody else. And what I also loved about this was Professor X being the, you know, every time in the comics when Professor X is gone, you feel like you've lost your way with the comic book. Yeah. It's the same thing with the movies. If Professor X is not there bringing that ray of hope that we can all get along, then you've lost the plot of what X-Men actually is. Why is there an X-Men team? I agree. I, I, I agree with that. I think it's very interesting, like you said, how they paint the X-Men as the anti-heroes of the universe. It's almost a good thing that Marvel doesn't have the rights to all these characters as far as that's concerned. Because how hard would it be to play the X-Men as the anti-heroes in a world with Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor 2? Yeah, Wolverine. These would, characters are worshipped, but these characters are hated. We'd I mean, get one good movie. It would be called X-Men versus Aven- uh, Avengers versus X-Men. You know what I mean? Yeah. And th- that would be it. Yeah, it kind of ruins both franchises the moment you put them together a yeah, little bit. A little bit. You get one shot. But I do want to – I would love to see like uh, – and we'll talk about – actually, we're going to talk about that. Let's talk about uh, Hugh Jack. And the future of Wolverine. Um, he was rumored to be putting away the claws after Wolverine two, possibly, or if he in fact loved the script for Wolverine three. Now, after this movie has come out with the reception it's gotten, he's not so sure. Uh, here's an interview he had with Slash Film. He also talks about some of the new cast on the film. Congratulations on the movie. Thank you. Um, so, well, this is, what, your seventh time yep. now playing Wolverine? Yep. What keeps you interested in the character? I mean, it's been like a decade and a half. From the first film, uh, I knew it was a really intriguing character, a layered character, uh, who was part sort of great fun and pretty badass, but also uh, complex and quite tortured. And So I knew there was a lot to him. Um, and when you're in a movie with... 15 other actors, you know, I wasn't sure how much you get to explore, so I've really loved doing it. I'm probably enjoying it more than ever right now, actually. I think being a little older helps. Um, I'm also a little, if I think back 15 years to when I began in my first movie in America, I'm a lot more confident on the set than I was back then, and Mm so all those things, I think the scripts are getting better. I think Simon Kimberg did a great job with this, with Brian, and um, I'm just really enjoying that. Uh, There feels a real... I don't feel like giving it up right now, you know, but it would, the scripts would have to continue in this vein for me. I don't have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm obviously, I, I can feel I'm closer to the end than the beginning, but, uh, and I know there'll be a right time and I'd prefer to leave before I'm pushed out, but you never know how that's going to work. But I think for me, as long as the character, if it feels compelling as a storyline for a movie, particularly a standalone movie, you've got to have a really good reason to take a character in another movie forward. It has to feel you're going to uncharted territory in some way. And I think not only as an actor, but I think for the audience, they expect that. And if 
if I ever lose that desire that I have right now, I would, out of respect for the character and the fans, I would hand it over because I know there's a million other actors who'd want to pick up the claws tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Badass. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how the characters evolved over the years since you've been playing? Him? You know, it's it's interesting. I'm gonna. There's so many different aspects to the character, but if you think back to X1, he was a real outsider. Very, he didn't even know about the X Men. He was very skeptical about it and he was also in a lot of pain and had a lot of unanswered questions about who he was where he came from and it's Charles Xavier who really became his mentor and his guide and a fatherly figure and weirdly it's a role reversal in this movie I know I'm jumping forward seven movies but in a way what I have to do in this movie is exactly what Charles Xavier did for me in X1 and that's really fun. And being aware of that as a character, too, is really fun. And I get to do completely different things in this movie than I've ever done before. Plus work with that incredible cast. Yeah, so talking about that cast, I mean, what was it like to work with these new actors that are playing younger versions of the old actors? That I was so uh, impressed, proud, I suppose. That might sound condescending, but... Uh, it, I was so proud of what they pulled off because they have a very close bond like we had from X1 and 2 and 3 and still have. Very tight sort of bond that I don't experience on many films. And then to watch this younger cast who had that same thing, who have all become much bigger stars than where they were at on on Mm -hmm. first class and still have that hunger and desire and sense of fun and play and... um, and, and unity. You know, they really do have that. And so... It was so great to watch them work and to become part of that. And we had so much fun with those guys. And the whole thing was just a joy. It really was. Did you feel like a sort of father figure or something, since you're the one that's been with the Let's call it older brother. (laughs) But there was a moment when Nick Holt, uh, on the first day of shooting, and we're walking down that quite now famous blue hallway, that X-Men hallway, and uh, he he turned to me and he goes, man, this is really trippy. And I said, what? He goes, well, I remember watching you walk down this hallway when I was eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like Nick, but <laughs> <laughs> not so much. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought Jackman made up some good points there, man, talking about how, you know, their cast had bonded, his cast, uh, their cast had bonded with one another, and his cast had bonded, and they just kind of put everything together, and it all it all really worked, and we were worried about that. Yeah, the chemistry was so great. I love how he says he thinks the scripts have gotten better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's worried about that because, yeah. like, everybody thought like the the last Wolverine movie was going to be the best Wolverine movie, and a lot of people liked it. It did really well, but even he himself made excuses for it after it came out. Oh yeah, yeah. My biggest issue with the last one was that. How many times do we have to see Wolverine get shot in the head and get a wound and watch it heal and have that just be the character? I think this was the best portrayal that he has put forth of Wolverine yet. Oh, I've never had a problem with uh, Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. I've just had a problem with the situations they've put him in and how he's reacted. Right. Yeah, I think I think this movie, unlike any of the other X Men movies, for how great you know the action was and everything else, I think the character interaction was like the best moments. Like you can name like mm-hmm. yeah. key like action sequences that you really liked. Like we talked about earlier, like uh, the train, the plane, <laughs> yeah, the plane scene, Magneto, Magneto and Wolverine, Wolverine talking. Yeah, it was right. just as iconic as like watching Wolf, uh, Tony Stark talk with Loki in Avengers. Right. Like, that's another moment like that we love as as comic book fans and as fanboys just watching those two interact 
Um, Jake, you kind of alluded to this earlier about, uh, um, you know, like how would uh, these teams mesh up in a Marvel Studios film like the Avengers and then, and then, and then Wolverine. How would they mesh up with the X-Men world? Jackman, he talked with IGN about wanting to team up with the Avengers at some point. He said, I would love to see him as part of the Avengers because there's a great dysfunction among that team. And I think Wolverine would fit right into that. He'd like that. There's no doubt he'd get in a fight with Hulk at some point. Those two bad rage-filled characters are going to square off at some point. It would be quite fun. I don't know how much fun to shoot it. But it would be because I'm sure I'd be on the worst end of it. But hey. <laughs> I would love to see uh, Robert Downey Jr. get to chew up some screen time with Hugh Jackman. That's, How much fun would that fucking be? That's yeah. what he said, Jackman. He also said that he wanted to see Wolverine and Tony Stark banner back and forth. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, in an interview with Total Film, uh, Days of Future Past producer Simon Kinberg and... Uh, it's, uh, Simon Kinberg talked about the Avengers using Quicksilver in their film as well. And he said it wasn't something we anticipated because we didn't know they were using him in the Avengers movie. We only found out that out. It got publicized, I think, weeks after we'd made the decision, after we'd done it. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know that... Josh Whedon and that crew were going to use Quicksilver. God, if I was Josh Whedon, I would just get rid of Quicksilver at this point. I mean, I, I wouldn't even want to live up to that. I think that. they're major players in we've, the next movie. Yeah, we've, we've seen yeah. them in the post-credits. Oh, no. Fuck. But yeah, Quicksilver will return in X-Men Apocalypse. Kimberg replied, he, absolutely, he's coming back. So. Yeah. Uh, producers Lauren D- uh, Schuler donner and Hutch Parker, they talked with Slash Film about this movie. Uh, and about the future X-Men movies as well as spinoffs, and I'd like to play that interview too. Well, congratulations on the movie. Thank you. Um, so, Days of Future Past is a classic storyline. How long have you been planning on bringing that into the X-Men movie universe? You know, we, uh, even during 1 and 2, we always talked about it. We stole a little bit from it, and that we use Senator Kelly, which is, right. in the comics, it's Senator Kelly who gets assassinated and starts all the events. Um, so it's always sort of been in the back of our minds. And then when it came to doing a sequel for First Class, we thought this would serve as a better sequel because it would allow us to bring back the old cast and also the newer one. Okay. Uh, was it was it challenging because, you know, just knowing how many people know it and are familiar with it and have high expectations for it? Yeah, and it's a, it's a wildly ambitious story, you know, servicing a lot of different characters. Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, first first cheer goes to Simon Kimber for, for adapting it so effectively and, and figuring out how to capture all the storylines into you know, kind of that format because it's not easy to pull off. And and second, I think, really goes to the film itself because the challenge of of scheduling all those actors was sort of overwhelming. So I know that you're also working on Fantastic Four, is that right? Yeah. Um, What are the odds of doing a crossover? Um, Don't know. I mean, look, part of what's amazing about this universe is the degree to which they do and can intersect, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think for the moment we're focused on on just, uh, we just started filming this week, so we're only in our first week. So we're still at the uh, beginning of that process and, and just trying to make sure we're doing the best job we can. But I think, you know, those those sort of intersections are, are certainly possible. Okay. Um, well, speaking of other movies, I know that you've talked a little bit about the possibility of doing spinoffs. Mm-hmm. Is, yes. Do you have any sense of, like, when that might happen? Well, first we're going to do another Wolverine movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, you know, um, hopefully soon we'll start... Um, 
get some getting some scripts, bringing writers on and writing the stories, and we should absolutely have solo movies. Yes. Okay, so I guess that would if it's after Wolverine, what does that put it like around 2018 or around then? Well, 2017. 2017. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> um, and well, you've been. Do we, when X Men when the first X Men came out, it was like one of the first big comic book movies to come out, and now they are everywhere. So, yes. how has that changed the process of getting these movies made? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, it took us a long time to get X Men made. Mm-hmm. Um, we we it, the the chairman that we sold it to at Fox, Bill Mechanic, had sold his X Men collection to finance his four years at USC. Wow. So we were speaking to the, the converted, and that was great. But there was a lot of pressure on us because there had been some bad comic book movies. Mm-hmm. And we knew that if we could succeed, then Spider-Man and all these other Marvel movies could be made. So uh, there was a lot of pressure, but we had no idea whether it would succeed or not. No idea. Brian and I literally thought we will never work again. We were in the cutting room. We thought, we'll never work again. <laughs> Uh, so I guess it's easier now that it's... Oh, yeah. It's a lot <laughs> easier now. Well, interestingly, it's easier in one sense and I think harder mm-hmm. because you have so many of them now and the bar has yeah. been raised so high by yeah. what, what Marvel is doing. And I think, you know, frankly, the bar was established with, with the first X-Men and, mm-hmm. you know, done so well, I think, you know, kind of marrying that opening and Brian's instincts about that so, so that you have a, you know, this is a very competitive arena now. Yeah, so the game has changed, and I think they've upped their game. Can I for once say that I don't give a fuck about a Fantastic Four X-Men crossover? I I agree. We've talked about it before. I could give a fuck. Yeah, don't cross those movies over. Just make a good Fantastic Four movie. It doesn't sound like they're doing that, though, but it also sounded like they weren't making a Good Days of Future Past movie, and what did we get? A Tupperware. Mm -hmm. Right. Unbelievably so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, they've got good people behind that Fantastic Four movie. Josh Trank, you know, Matthew Vaughn's producing. You've got Mark Millar on it. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed until we see this movie. It could be as cool as, like, Guardians of the Galaxy if they do it right. If they do a Fantastic Four correctly, it could be as cool and, and crazy as, like, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I can't wait to hear, like, what everybody else is saying about Days of Future Past. I mean, I really haven't listened to much. Just the critics, what they've said, and, like, our listeners and stuff like that on Facebook. Yeah. But, man, um, let me go over real quick. We're going to wrap up here soon. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, guys, has... For the critics, they have it at a 91%. That's huge. Wow. Shit. And uh, for the audience, uh, it's at a 95%. Wow. Wow. It's guaranteed fresh big time. Yeah. By both. It it actually has Captain America, the Winter Soldier, beat by 2% by the critics. Mm. Um, I'm going to throw it out there. Captain America, Winter Soldier versus X-Men Days of Future Past. Go. I mean, I tasted Captain America. I Tupperware'd this. Yeah, we got your answer. Yeah, Jay, yeah. you, me, and you both Tupperware Captain America Winter Soldier. What do you think, man? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I had to really think about this, but it's definitely above Captain America Winter Soldier. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Captain America Winter Soldier, but this is like one of my top fives now. Well, I've, we've gotten a bunch of great Marvel movies. Yeah, this is like, man, finally the X Men, man. I, I, yeah, I, I just thought like I, I feel like every time I see the Marvel movies, they set the bar. And they set the bar, and they set the bar like they were talking about in an interview. But when this came out, and I saw it, and I wanted to hate it, and I went into it wanting to hate it, Mm -hmm. I loved it. It blew me away. Totally is in my top five of all time comic book movies. 
Guardians of the Galaxy really, really needs to step up the game now because as of right now, this is my favorite summer movie. Right. I'm going to see it again before it leaves yeah. theaters. I will see it again. Jay, is this better than Man of Steel? This is better than Man of Steel. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, fun factor. Like, Man of Steel touched a different chord. So it's it's really hard to compare those fucking movies like Superman to X-Men. It's really hard. But overall, like, the movie I'm going to watch more Days of Future Past. Yeah, it was great. This is one of those movies that if I, if it comes on my TV at any moment during the movie, my remote stopping and I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching from wherever it's yeah. at. Every little bit of it's good, yeah. and every little bit of it's thought out. I mean, I doubt very many people put as much thought of it, it into it as I did. But like towards the end, where he had that metal container and he ripped the side of it off to get to the guys inside. Right. Did you notice he popped the door off first before he took the whole half of it off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because from a physics point of view, if he took half of it off, the pressure from the inside would have killed them all right and it's stuff that like that that makes you think just a little fucking thing right and it's Attention so good detail. yeah which which is what one of the things that brian singer has been totally <laughs> i was waiting for hammer time to you for that oh. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm still thinking i'm still thinking about that, that bullshit credits thing you were talking yeah, about man, I, I don't know i i can't find anything out on it i'm hoping somebody gets my back or else i'm i'm to be institutionalized <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> all right but, but yeah totally, totally totally like this is one of the most surprising things that has happened movie dumb for me. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, just totally like I expected to leave the theater shitting on this man. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. Hammer <laughs> 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 time. <laughs> Thank my, you. My uh my SSID at home is you can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, thank you for joining us on our uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, uh, you know, review. And, uh, we all love the film. We hope you did too. Uh, if you didn't like it, I'd love to hear your reasons why. Um, but, uh, uh we all loved it. Gotta give it a Tupperware. It's the oh, yeah. pinnacle of success. Yes. <laughs> yes. Every, but- everyone should be popping bones for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> In slow motion. <laughs> I, we were going to record uh, uh, another episode with news and things like that. We had John on the show. I'm not even going to air it. We we only got about half an hour worth of uh, content and stuff like that. Maybe I'll play it at another time. But we're just going to put out an X-Men Days of Future Past episode this week yeah. for everybody to enjoy. And we'll come back next week and we'll have a new segment. Maybe we'll talk about Maleficent if some of us have seen that. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. We're I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. But this week we're just going to put out uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. And um, I don't know, man. Just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bag. Uh Thank you for patronage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Thank you. Later, y'all. Everybody have a great week and all that stuff. Jargon. <laughs> Jargon. Let's just end the show playing this song and just talking. Yeah. Let's have a taster's choice moment. Right. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. My stomach's yelling at me. I'm going to go eat. Shut up, Jake. <laughs> I'm going to go get some shit out of the Tupperware. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Hi, Becca. Good timing. Yeah, we're ending the show. Just to spend with you. Oh, the presents. That's what she's asking about. Look at this! Yeah. Yeah, we do need to explain that, don't we? We can't really talk about it. We can, can talk we? about it right Can now. we talk about it? Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah! <laughs> Pete Neen, this is for you. Yeah.
God dang it, Pete Dean. <laughs> we'll explain. We recorded this and it, it got lost in the mix. Yeah. Jim, shut up. Stop singing your damn song. <laughs> we get it. I mean, we get we'll it. Get if we can trap time in a bubble, then we wouldn't have lost time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, help yourself. It's not yours to leave, Jake. <laughs> it's, it's studio gifts. You can take the road. No, but. the Newcastle. What? Oh, I thought you were talking about the way the was. The Newcastle. You can't have Pete Needs gift. Yeah. No, 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 no. We recorded a whole thing that got lost. And Pete, Pete Neen, this is for you, dude. You, uh, we uh, recorded a whole thing that got lost. It was a uh, we uh, we unveiled your gifts and like the recording. It, the recording we lost the whole thing. Jay, Jake, they flipped out. Yeah. Pete Neen sent us some gifts in the mail. They arrived at my house. We opened up here. We opened up here, and uh, he sent us uh, a Doctor Who TARDIS mug. A ceramic, beautiful mug. It yes. looks like the Doctor Who TARDIS. It's absolutely amazing. A Harry Potter bathrobe, Hufflepuff, <laughs> and uh, Jake, you got something to say about yeah, that? Yeah, Hufflepuff. It's my it's my favorite Harry Potter class. We're the lazy ones. <laughs> totally taking this thing home. I don't care. I'll fight whoever for it. I'm not gonna fight you for it. And then right. we also got the uh, R2D2 waste basket from Un- Pete Neen. Unbelievable! Before you leave, Jake, I want to get pictures of us with the stuff. That yeah. way, I, I need to send it to Pete Neen. I'll, pay, I'll post it on Facebook too. But I'm just blown away, Pete. Um, you have officially earned higher ranks in the army and we actually pete I'm, I'm letting you know you have your own segment it's dedicated to you anytime you tweet us a question there's a segment it's going to be called pete's tweets yeah. and you actually have your own audio drop so check it out i call i call pudding cat pete's <laughs> so Pete, anytime you tweet us a question, just just one a week or whatever, you've got your own, you've earned your own segment. Yeah, Pete Neen, you're the only listener to ever do this. You've earned your own segment called Pete's Tweets. But we were just blown away. I remember opening up these gifts and just pacing around my place and saying, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" I was just like overcome, like I, just for somebody to just send us this. And he said we deserve it because of the the work that we put into the podcast, and it just it just blew me away. A TARDIS mug, a Hufflepuff bathrobe, and an R2-D2 wastebasket. You're crazy, Pete. You're crazy. <laughs> Should I call the segment Pete's Tweets or for Pete's sake? For Pete's sake. <laughs> now I gotta change the goddamn audio drop. You're supposed to say... <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jay. You're supposed to say Pete's Tweets is perfect because I already made the fucking audio Jay's drop. Wrong. Pete's Tweets is what's up. Yeah, we, can, ed- we can edit that out. <laughs> I call I call <laughs> for Pete's sake. <laughs> Pete, you got your own audio drop. You got your own segment. Welcome to the Leftover Army. You've been a part of it for so long. You've listened to us for so long, ranting bullshit. But, man, we love you, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, totally, totally mind blown. Totally mind blown. I keep staring at this thing and touching it, this fucking R2-D2 oh, I know. basket. It's I amazing. Keep, is it real? It feels real. I know. I just, like, I'm waiting for him to, like, zoom around your place. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just got to say, like, what the hell, Pete? Uh, what the hell? That's that's fantastic. I, I'm totally blown. I don't away. think he sent anything to you because you've said no to the Willow sequel. I did, and Pete's pissed at me. And I'm so sorry. you don't get anything, Jay. I'm sorry, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Pete Neen. I'm sorry you didn't get to hear the initial initial reaction from the guys because we did lose it. But uh, thank you, Pete. You're awesome. 
I just, I'm blown away by yeah, that. Yeah, why would you do that, Pete? I don't know. <laughs> look, look at Jake. Look at Jake. <laughs> oh, He's got it on. <laughs> I gotta get, I gotta get a picture of yeah, this. Yeah, take a picture. I'm totally getting a picture of this. I gotta send it to Pete tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's gonna love this. All right. I want you to pose for the camera here, Chief. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. That That's like awesome. That's what, I, I also want to thank uh, Dan West for our new Facebook banner. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Jay is the oh, uh, Jake is a Jedi. Uh Jay uh Jay you're the uh Sith. Of course. I'm the I'm the uh scoundrel. The scoundrel. I love it. Scruffy. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Frank is like uh Dude, I already know I'm slothy from the fucking Goonies, man. <laughs> no, no, I was going to Hey you go. I was gonna say that you can't see you, but you're in the Death Star. Yeah. So you're gonna blow, oh, you're gonna right. blow up at one point. Well, you know. <laughs> Go down with the fucking ship. <laughs> All right, guys. But this is the end of the show. We'll see you guys next week. Sorry you didn't get to hear the other stuff that we recorded, but man, that's that's the dangers of podcasting. Them's the breaks. Yeah. Them's the breaks. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Love you. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there. Comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the left. Picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture.
culture spill over like a vulture carry over counterculture pushovers pop culture leftovers and with the uncool kids what's to say has already been said leftovers pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.